You're wrong. No, you're wrong. <laughs> but I have a different opinion. They're both wrong. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the Cinemasters Podcast. I am Ron Avis. And I'm Adam Peterson. And we got a great show for you guys. Uh, starting off the top of the show, we have the resolution or the conclusion of what you haven't seen that, where Adam will be discussing uh, French Connection and I will be discussing Bachelor Party, almost forgot. And uh, after that, we have our main event, which is going to be, there will be music. At the, (laughs) the main event's going to be our 10 favorite movies that feature predominantly SNL cast members. Or, you know, alumni. You don't have to be, like, current cast members. But alumni. And, you know, SNL's been around for, like, what, nearly 40 years? years. Almost 50 years now. (laughs) Just about about a decade. Well, no. A a century. That's what I meant. (laughs) A half a century. (laughs) I don't know what a decade is. (laughs) I've seen enough of them. (laughs) I don't know what one is. There's a lot. Yes. There's a lot of Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Uh, and then we're going to conclude things with the uh, triumphant return of Who Played It Better, where we pick a movie for each other and challenge. It's a challenge. You do a challenge to see if you can cast a better actor, actress for the roles that they are you know, were made famous by previously by, you know, for example, Silence of the Lambs. You like you got to recast Hannibal Lecter and you chose. David Tennant. David Tennant, Scrooge McDuck. <clears throat> he's or Doctor Who, if you watch that more. He's a he's a, a demon in the new Good Omen show. On is he really? He is. He is just a character actor. He's he? a versatile son the of a gun. Definition of a character actor. But we will not waste any more time because I, will. I would our- <laughs> like to waste some time talking about other things. So, anyways, like I said, we're going to start off with. What? Who played it better? Okay! Yeah. <laughs> it was really well. It was timed pretty good. You think I might have planned that out even? I think you did. I think so. And mm. as I said at the top, uh, you're going to be doing French Connection, and I'm going to be doing Bachelor Party, the Tom Hanks 1984, I think is when it came out. I didn't write that down because I'm not very prepared. I think it's 1984. Early 80s. Pre-superstardom Tom Hanks, basically. Because The Man With One Red Shoe came out in 1985. You always go to that, don't you? You can't go to Splash. Nope. The Man With One Red Shoe. You don't even go bosom buddies? Nope. (sighs) The Man With One Red Shoe. (sighs) So I guess we'll go ahead and start with Bachelor Party. Go for it. Um, So, right, Tom Hanks is pretty much the only notable actor uh, from that movie, it's uh, a notorious sex romp comedy that I'm here to tell you right now doesn't it doesn't age very well. <laughs> I didn't think that it would. No. I was curious, but I didn't uh, think that it would. I think you know it, it's a movie that a lot of other like uh, you know more it's it's been ripped off a lot. Yeah. 
You know, there. I mean, whether you want to talk about like a literal bachelor party ripoff, like um, you know, with Leslie Chow and The Hangover, <laughs> uh, but more so even just uh, like app, like American Pie, like that kind of stuff. Like they, it, I think it all owes a little bit to Porky's and Bachelor Party. They because they did an updated Bachelor Party. I know they did a sequel to it. Oh, they did. But I think they did an updated, like a remake with nobody. I don't uh, remember anybody, but it was a few years ago. But not even Tom <clears throat> Chan- Tom Hanks. I said Tom Chanks. Tom Chanks. <laughs> you, we don't know what his middle name is. Could be a could start with a C. It could. Then it could be Tom C. Hanks. Tom, Tom C. Hanks. Hanks. It's Courtney. Tom Courtney. Tom Hanks. Courtney Hanks. Where are you, Tom? Tom Chanks. My favorite Leslie note, no thanks, Tom Hanks. That's my favorite. <laughs> I like that you could, if you abbreviate his first name to just a letter, and then his last name is T. Hanks. Yeah. Looks like thanks. Yeah. He's a grateful kind of guy. Well, isn't there, there's like a meme where Tom is standing, and there's like a T, and then it Hanks, and like the, the his head is covering up the O and the M, and he moves away, and it's like, <gasps> Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. Peter Griffin? Everything that guy says is hilarious. <laughs> not ah. in this movie, though. He's not no. really that good. He's he's yet to kind of find himself. He's yet to find Penny Marshall. I think is what the problem is. Um, and and I don't, Penny Marshall didn't do Splash, but it was another. Was it Gary Marshall or something? It it, it was a you know pretty famous director. I think yeah. that did Splash. Um, I could look it up. You could look it up. I so I'll talk about it. Bachelor Party. So the movie starts out. I'm not even kidding. There there's kind of a quick montage of all the rascals that are in you know the tom hanks friend party his group of friends and within like a few minutes there is a scene where there's this really chesty 80s babe and she's taking her child like this guy works at one of those like olin mill type places like you know glamour shots shots. and for whatever reason like the mom has like the deepest cleavage ever showing off her you know bosom buddies bosom i don't know there's probably not a connection there. There could be. <laughs> there could be, though. There could be. No, but so, like, you know, she's getting a picture of their kid, and the guy's, like, trying to trick her into getting in the picture and, like, showing off her boobs. And I'm not even kidding. When he notices her boobs, there's a sound effect that plays to the effect of boom. <laughs> and I knew then this is the kind of movie we're in for. This is really, really bad. And um, it's not to say it doesn't have some funny parts like the donkey scene, which is kind of the standout scene, I think, for uh, that people remember. I, you know, if you've seen Clerks 2, like Dante and Randall, like Dante, the whole the whole reason for you know, Kiki Kelly and the sexy stuff is because apparently like they saw that movie when they were like, you know, kids and they couldn't, you know, they wanted to have their own experience from the TJ. And you know, sure enough, the woman. Like there, but there's like iconic scenes, like the guy's going crazy and he like hits his head, like you know, with the bottle of liquor. And, you know, there, there's this jackass preppy who wants to. Well, let me let me get back to who the one of the reasons why this movie doesn't work. And I say that and like I, I froze there because the jackass preppy has he has it for um, the Tom Hanks's girlfriend, who is Tawny Katane. Ooh, she's the lead actress in this movie. And you guys would know Tawny basically being draped across the White Snake's car in a music video. That's like what she's she. That was her greatest performance. Or America's Funniest People with Dave Collier. Draped across the hood of White Snake's <laughs> car. No, she was fine in potato, that. Potato, potato. Yeah, potato, potato. Um, she, but but she has no chemistry with Tom Hanks at all. Like you know, Tawny Katane is just like this really sexy thing. This actress that was 
in Playboy and stuff a lot. I mean, she was just a hot girl. And it's not to say that she was terrible, but she was kind of bad. And, you know, so right off the bat, like, we have to care about their relationship and we don't. And really, it's just a conduit. Like, you know, it's like the girlfriend of, of um, <clears throat> was it Stu that was getting married and, and, you know, bachelor party or not bachelor party, hangover. You know, he has his fiance and like, you don't even really care. Like, it doesn't really matter if they have a whole lot of chemistry because they're they're gone from that point. Oh, yeah. But Tawny Katane shows up a bunch in the movie. So she's kind of a vital part of the movie. Um a handful of times I laugh like there was this scene where the uh, girls were trying to catch the guys being bad because they had a hotel and they had learned that they were having like a real crazy bachelor party, even though Tom Hanks promised there wouldn't be any shenanigans or strippers. Um, and uh, so they end up at some. Well, they get, decide to go to a strip club themselves, like a Chippendales type place. And uh, Tom Hanks learns because his buddy is a bartender at the Chippendale, so he calls up and he's like, hey man, your your fiance, your girlfriend's here, whatever. So they show up and they're like, ah, we'll we'll teach those girls to try and have fun on their own. Ha <laughs> ha! It's lesson time. So they get this big guy to come up and his name's Nick the Dick. <laughs> Do you remember this? Because you know, I remember you said you'd it's, seen it. It's been a long time. I, th I think I know where. It has to be one of the first instances of a movie where, like, you know, there's a guy supposedly with a huge penis, and when he moves it and it hits something, it makes this like great sound, like indicating how heavy it is, I guess. So he he puts like a hot dog bun on a plate, like like or like a tray, like like they would serve hot dogs at a Chippendales, like appetizers. It's really weird. <laughs> we, have, we have a short menu, mostly hot dogs. Short being an oxymoron, because Nick the Dick. I mean, he was true to the task i mean so they put the bun and then he plops his stuff in there and like he walks out and the joke is like you know one of the girls is gonna like tug at it and like a normal person would just see it and go like ah oh, ah oh. <laughs> but like she sees it and then like for whatever reason like you know she grabs it and she's pulling it so like nick's kind of doing like this and she's like screaming and freaking out but she keeps tugging it like who would do that no human person would do that like she it's it's she's she's appalled, but she also still really wants a hot dog. So if she just keeps pulling it, you know, it'll become a hot dog, I guess. Some sort of like transformative magic. <laughs> I, I just I cannot you picture imagine. this in your head, man. I cannot imagine any sequence of events <laughs> in anyone's life ever where you would be in that much need for a hot dog. Just ever. It's like a buck, you know, anywhere. Just stop and get a hot dog. Uh, the movie <clears throat> the movie's pretty terrible. Um, I, I can't say that I can recommend it. I can't even say that it's really all that important because there's been so many better movies since then. And, you know, if you're a Tom Hanks fan, which I am, everybody is, just skip this one. You'll be you'll, you'll be disappointed at Tom Hanks when, after you see it. Just move on to The Man with One Red Shoe. Watch it again. You would move back to that, I Watch guess. Watch it again. No, no, just go get Big or, or you know... Joe Valsic versus the Volcano. Get yourself any Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie. Even You've Got Mail. It's a great be, movie. It's not bad. It's okay. So it's, it's a remake of The Shop Around the Corner. With the I know, story. right? That's a better movie, but I enjoy both of them. That's probably why they decided to remake it. People enjoy that movie. They named her, her shop The Shop Around the Corner. Perfect. This is Chippendale star attraction, Mr. Nicholas, better known as Nick. The dick. Nick the what? The dick. 
I would like to move on to which I'm sure is much better movie in the French Connection. <laughs> the French Connection. Yeah. So what's that handsome devil Gene Hackman up to in the French Connection? Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. Oh, nice. Yes. Blue Thunders, Roy Scheider. Uh, yeah, they, they uh, this is, and that was before. It was I, I didn't say Jaws, like, yep. obviously his most don't, famous role. Don't go to Jaws. <laughs> um, Sequest? Sequest! Sequest! You know, that John the Brandis kid killed yeah. himself. Yeah, I know, we brought that up once. We did. This is two episodes we brought you guys down with suicide. I'm going to keep bringing him up. You should. By bringing everybody down. Go watch Sidekicks right now. Yeah. If you can find it. Pause this and go watch Sidekicks <laughs> with Jonathan Brandis, who is dead from suicide. <laughs> He took his own life. He did. Don't do that, kids. Don't. Don't. Do not. Do that. <clears throat> um, so, French Connection. French Connection. Uh, 1971. Mm -hmm. uh, so before, really, either Gene Hackman or Roy Scheider was a household name. Uh, yeah. Jaws came out in 75. Uh, Gene Hackman really didn't. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this is, uh, it was the first R-rated film to win an Academy Award. Won five. Wow. Three Golden Globes. Did, did really best well. Best picture? Best picture, best nice. director, best nice. actor. Uh, Roy Scheider was uh, nominated for best um, supporting actor. Did not win, unfortunately. Mm. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, did did quite well. Um, and it was based on a true story. I did not know that. Really? Yes. What is uh, the story? Uh, it is there, and it, it had been going on for quite some time. There was a, a huge drug smuggling ring that was coming coming in from France. Hence the French connection. Where does the movie take place? It takes place in New York City. Okay. Um, there Ooh, was grimy New York City. It, it, in the beginning, it goes back and forth between France and New York as okay. you're getting to know the the French mobsters, which that's a term you don't ordinarily you don't hear, hear very that often. often. Russian mobsters, triad, Italian. Yes, Italians. Obviously, Italians are number one. Yeah. I didn't mean to slight them in any way. A gabagool. <laughs> I love the Gabagool. <laughs> Michael Scott. I love me some Michael Scott. Yes. Especially as a gangster. Um, but uh, so they're going Famously back and forth. Famously plays a gangster in all of his he's, movies. He's a great, I mean, he's, I mean, <laughs> really. He's a real tough guy. If they remade The Godfather, like they probably should, um, I would Don't cast ruin it. What if I picked Michael that for Scott. you? What if that's the, what I picked for then you? Then I'm already ahead of the okay, game. Okay, then you've already, done, you've already completed that check off your list. And he'll play every role. Every role? Every role. It's a one-man like, Godfather it'd show. It'd be like the Godfather meets the clumps kind of thing, where, which would be an interesting... I love that you picked the clumps. The clumps. I bypassed <laughs> the first one. Straight to the clumps. Straight to the clumps. What's the best usage of an actor playing many different roles in a movie? Like, what would you... Um, like, just, just an impromptu, put you on the spot Doctor right Strange Love, Peter Weller. Okay, okay. Well, I haven't seen that, so I'm going to have to go with... Uh, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. <laughs> I love him and every Eddie Murphy once again playing multiple characters. He with does, makeup on. Maybe he doesn't play well with others, so he's like, "Fine, I'll just be all the characters." Yeah, and that's me. fine because he's better at playing all the characters. And I'll just it'll just be me and and uh, Arsenio Hall. Oh, that's yeah, Arsenio Hall, man. I, he needs a coming to it because there, there's been long rumored a coming there's, to America. I think they're making. Yeah, they're so making I hope he's in it. I hope they're still best pals. I don't think he's doing much else. Well, that doesn't mean he's going to be in it. <laughs> he you could, could get him cheap. He, he could be real petty towards Arsenio. <laughs> like, Did Eddie what? ever do the Arsenio Hall show? He must have. I would hope so. Right? You had to have. I would like to see that show come back. I would love that that show came back with him. Yeah. And they couldn't bring somebody else. Like Arsenio Hall, starring Kevin Hart. That would be. 
That would be amazing and confusing. Yes, right. And he Wait. wouldn't do that. That's beneath Kevin Hart now. He needs to be in a couple of rock bombs before that happens. And he's not... Rock there's, bottoms? There's not a lot that's beneath Kevin Hart. Because no. he's short. It was a short joke. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but he's got a lot more... I need a rim shot me. sound effect. I'll get that. I'll work on that. I'm sorry. So uh, back and forth between uh, France... France and, and New, New York. York. New York. <clears throat> and you got uh, uh, Popeye which is Gene Hackman, that's his nickname. Popeye and Cloudy, those are, that's their nicknames. Um, I was like, Robin Williams? The, um, <laughs> the actual police officers that they portrayed were on set every day for the authenticity of the film. What I, what I, in, in looking at um, kind of the background information on the film, I really enjoyed, they didn't secure permits for a lot of stuff. Like the car chase in that movie yeah. is one of the most iconic car chases. And oh, it, yeah. it was just Gene Hackman Driving like a crazy man. Not even a stuntman? No. Not being towed, not being pulled, driving like a bat out of hell through the streets of Well, New he York. wasn't anybody yet then, right? So they didn't, <clears throat> Gene Hackman could die in a car accident. And, I mean, they, because they had most of, most of the um, the extras. Who would they, be in Welcome to Mooseport? Can I don't you know. imagine who would play that role? I don't know how, you, I mean, that would be a good, <laughs> you know, recasting. Like, I don't know how you, you'd, you'd stump me on that. Welcome to Mooseport. Well, you know, I, can, I shan't dare even think about that possibility. I could recast Ray Romano in a heartbeat. Um, who could you recast Ray? Who else is like Ray Romano? Um, <laughs> Look, I don't like you to do a Ray Romano. You could, you could literally get anyone. Okay, okay. You could get a garbage man. Just uh, like a garbage man on Quaaludes? Yep. Boom. All right, anyway, sorry. I, I keep it. interrupting you. No, it's fine. It's a discussion. It is. We're, we're, we, it's an interruption, actually. It's <laughs> an interruption. Pardon the interruption. That's another show. Wait, we should take that title. Uh, we should use that. Um, Our listeners don't watch sports. They no. would not have a clue. Sports. Sports! <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite. Fooey and Pishaw. That's what I say to that. That would be your catchphrase. Pooey yes. and Pishaw. That's, that's what I, when that's a guy strikes out. When he, when a, when a, and Pishaw. When like Randy Johnson shuts a guy down with a strikeout. Pooey and Pishaw. <laughs> Strike three. Pooey <laughs> and Pishaw. To that. Twirl the mustache. That would be awesome. The interruption's completed. <laughs> We're going to get through this we thing. We will get there. You politely sat there and listened to everything I had to say about the crappy Bachelor Party movie. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of interject with that. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, it was shitty. It was. And it was, it was really not woke. Well, you know, I don't even say it was woke because it's not like there was a lot of racism or, you know, uh, uh, degrading of women other than the boom. That was kind of degrading, I guess. That's just degrading to people. Yeah, to people in general. But no, the French Connection. Nobody. Where Gene Hackman's not degrading anybody except no. driving like a bat out of hell. He. Yeah. There. Um, no permits. They didn't get permits for That's a lot. It's guerrilla like, filmmaking they, right they, there. And that was William Friedkin also directed The Exorcist and another little film you might be familiar with, Blue Chips. Nope. Starring Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, he directed that. He directed Blue Chips. <laughs> I love Blue Nick Chips. Nick Nolte actually. and Steve and 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 Shaquille O'Neal. He likes casting ugly guys for like his main role. Yes, Nick Nolte. <laughs> Nick Nolte is an ugly. It's guy. like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing with Nick Nolte and Shaquille O'Neal. He was like People Magazine's sexiest person here. It's like this is rigged. <laughs> Nick Nolte. You've seen the like, you know, the the sked, the photo, the police photo with yes. the hair, the crazy the hair. hair. Where like, I'm like, is that is that Gary Busey or is that Nick Nolte? Because I can't tell. I cannot tell. I want to put them up side by side. 
Yeah, Nick Nolte is, he's in that new Angel Has Fallen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. kind of okay with it, but it's I'm okay with it. I like, like Nick Nolte. He's, yeah. He's rough. He's I like him in Warrior. He was great in that. He was great. He was good. Yeah. He played the dad. He played the, the just the alcoholic shit dad, which, yeah. you know, I can buy. Hey, <laughs> but that was a stretch for him. No, probably. Probably an excellent I can father. really relate to this role, can't you, Nick? <laughs> He's probably a great dad, sent all of his kids to good schools, went to every single function, recital, game. We're just throwing them under the bus. Yeah, that's what we do you know, here. We throw we people do. arbitrarily under the bus. Arbitrarily under the bus, the podcast. Why not? Arbitrarily under the bus. We have renamed <laughs> our podcast like three or four times a day. Oh, They're all man, great. You remember that time Nick Nolte got it out under his hands and knees and blew a mule? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I have it on VHS. Do you now? <laughs> Yes. What did you record it on? One of those big cameras. Oh, okay. Big... One of those like Bob Saget yeah. funniest home video deals. Yep. Well, you were your family was rich. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we were super rich. Super wealthy. Super ultra wealthy. Yeah. That's a level of wealth that I will never achieve. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not there. No, I'm not yet. there. Uh, digressing now. All right, let's get through this thing. All right. So. <clears throat> there are drugs coming into the um, to the America, to the America, um, and uh, of the United States. These these two these two police officers, they're narcotics officers. Mm-hmm. And they stumble upon this 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 plot to bring these drugs into America, and so they um, in in real life this has been going on for decades, and so uh, okay uh, the in the sixties yes okay um, I think it started in I want to say like the forties. Okay. Um, I was trying to do a little bit of research on it, but <clears throat> they decades or ten years. Decades. We've learned ten. from the top of the we show. We have learned <laughs> the length of a decade. <laughs> we pause. Century we is ten, right? Century is a thousand. Oh, billion. damn it! It's a thousand billion. Uh, okay. Um, All right. Let's know. go. Let's go. <laughs> and so these two, these two police officers. Mm-hmm. There's. I've I've heard a lot of actual police officers say that this is one of their favorite cop movies. And I can see it's it's one of those when you if you watch it just through the lens of like a two thousand and later cop movie, yeah, it's it's hard to because we're so accustomed to explosions and massive gunfights and you know all these special effects and yeah. all, all this kind of padding to the to the to a cop movie, right? But these guys like it, this one I think is really fairly true, and that was what they were really going for. That's what uh, Friedkin when he was directing he wanted he. Uh, if they weren't one of the principal actors, I think everybody was an off-duty cop. And I think most, if not all of them, were police officers that actually worked in some form or fashion on the actual case. So they were familiar with what was going on. <clears throat> and they're, I mean, everything they're doing, they're filming in the subway. I mean, all of the all of the people that are not involved in the shoot, the people that are just walking down the streets, just regular New Yorkers that have no idea anything's going on. They weren't shutting down traffic. Different time back in the day. <clears throat> yeah, they no, were. Go, just, nobody got fuzzed out. <laughs> no, they were. Um, there was even there was even one in in the police chase because they had they had several cars set up where they were gonna have yeah. near misses or slight crashes, um, and there was one where a guy pulls out and Gene Hackman actually hit him, and that wasn't planned. It was just a guy that was driving and he hit him <laughs> and kept driving. And then he stuck his head out the window like, "If you hit my car, you consent to be in this movie." <laughs> So it was it was like taking all that into consideration. It was like yeah. it was it was pretty pretty cool to see. And it's I mean it's highly. I mean I think it's it's got like an eight point something, you know on on IMDb ninety four percent Metacritic. I mean just everybody 
It's probably one of those top 100 movies on every yeah. list. It's and it, it really, I mean, it really was. I like that you're going back into I, the 60s and uh, this was 71. Yeah, okay, they don't. But it was as I was watching it, and because uh, the last one I did was Midnight Cowboy, they stylistically, the I mean, just the the technology. I mean, it was they felt very similar. I mean, mm. Midnight Cowboy was 1969. This is 71. So you have that first couple of years of a new decade you're kind of trailing off of whatever's yeah. popular in the last decade. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of difference. It wasn't into that full 70s kind of perspective. But yep. it was, uh, I appreciated all of the effort. Um, it, it really comes through. I mean, for your casual observer that's going to watch the movie and not, you know, investigate all these things and know these things, they come through in a very comprehensive um, stylistically pleasing way that makes it, you know, it's a movie that's nearly 50 years old at this point. Yeah. And I would say it, it is probably one of the greatest cop movies of all time. And right. it, it, it does hold up well. And it, it's deserving of the accolades that it got. And it, nearly 50 years later, still very, very easy to watch, very easy to follow. They did make a sequel, which was fabricated. Um, there was no... Okay, so there was no true <coughs> story to... to, to no, there was out. no uh, actuality to the uh, to the sequel. It was just... Um, Billy reading the papers like, man, none of these crimes are very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to France in the second one. He's kind of a fish out of water because he's like, I'm used to New York, and I think they just had Gene Hackman in it. So gotcha. it was... It, I think it's a, like a 6.8 on uh, IMDb, but it was not... Not yeah, a, so still, still good. Still a solid film. Yeah, still good. Uh, but think uh, you'll seek it out now that you've seen the original. I I may check it out just out of curiosity to see what the the direction they took. I don't know Friedkin. I don't think he directed the sequel. Oh, okay. uh, so I'll be curious to see what kind of changes. But uh, it it may be one. I do I do highly recommend French. I liked learning that he was the director of The Exorcist. Yeah, and, and Blue Chips. Obviously, Blue Chips, his signature movie. And he, he's he's. I mean, he directed. Uh, Bug in, I think, 2008. Oh, with Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd and yeah. Killer Joe in 2011. He disappeared, man. He was, it's funny, he was like seeing these, you know, he's been directing stuff since like the 60s. Yeah. All the way up till 2011. So he's been, he's been around for, he doesn't have a lot of directing credits, but he's, and he kind of bounces around a little bit, but it's like. I remember uh, when Bug came out, they were really touting that, you know, yeah. like, oh, from the, from the, from the director of The Exorcist. Exorcist. And there were a lot of Exorcist sequels hitting, and then you're just like. Oh, okay. Well, maybe this will be worthwhile. And Bug really wasn't. No, it was not. It wasn't that good. <laughs> and honestly, like I think people, I think people give The Exorcist a little bit too much credit. Um, I think it's one of the most hilarious horror movies of all time. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I it still scares me. Like, part of it too is it's been just lampooned and and you know, parodied so often, uh, but. If, if you catch it, like, late at night with no parental figures at home and you were relatively young, um, it was scary to me. I mean, I remember watching that from, like, the hallway of the TV. Like, I wasn't even in the room. Like, I was watching it from the hallway. Like, I could get a head start. Like, the TV was going <clears> to <throat> come to life and shit was going to get to me. And, I mean, can, and, and also, it must have been terrifying to people who went to see it at movie theaters who had no nothing to take the no edge off of it yeah. there was like no You're comedic there. element to it you were just like watching this thing that supposedly happened and uh you know i do i do like there's a, there's a part in in the exorcist where the uh detective he's interviewing ellen burston um the nobler's mom and he's asking her on the day uh, that the guy died <clears throat> he was asking you just like you know basically trying to find out if anybody the else, real guy yeah, the, yeah. Had, had anybody been in the house 
know, did you did you get a, did you get any uh, food deliveries? Did you get any laundry deliveries? Did you get any packages? And he goes through this whole line of questioning. And I don't know why it struck me as funny as it was. He starts off, did you get any packages that day? And he goes through a number of things. And then he says, did you get any packages? He asks that again. Oh, really? And it's one of those, like, it just struck me as funny. He's cause, lying. Because I was sitting there and I was like, <laughs> why would you ask that same question? I mean, it was like, it wasn't like 10 minutes ago. It was like literally like 45 seconds ago yeah. you asked, did you get any packages? And I'm like, and this was is, he winking? this like, is scripted. Did you get any packages? <laughs> that would have been a very odd <laughs> turn for the film. So. It's like, well, I can't believe they left that in the movie. Say, did you receive any packages? Wink. <laughs> for you audio-only listeners, I was thrusting yes. my pelvis. There was pelvic thrusting. Indicating that he was a porno man. Yes. <laughs> like it was a porno man. A porno man. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say porno man. I love the way that sounds. That, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Porno man. Porno man. (laughs) Porno man. That's you. My gyric thrusting. I will defeat you with my invisible... Yeah, never mind. Whatever. uh, Whatever. Whatever's coming after (laughs) I don't know, like, I made a... I I I definitely did a hump right here, like a big ass, like right there. (laughs) You notice the arch? I think you're still stuck on the clumps. Ron, Ron's an ass man. <laughs> Ron I've had Kramer. no drinks. Ron and Kramer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do what now? <laughs> that would be that would be a great movie, The Ass Man. The Ass Man. You okay. and, and and Kramer. Is it the Ass Man cometh? Was that a was that a thing? People leave a comment if that's a yeah, thing. Yeah, if that's a thing. <laughs> in any capacity. No, no, the ass man was just from the license plate, yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, so recommend? Yes, I highly recommend. Okay. It's a great, great film. All right, let's 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 speed away from this accident. Let's run quickly away from this. <laughs> you took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes, and pick your feet, didn't you? That's it! Yes! All right, you mm. put a shoe on my partner. You know what that means? God damn it! All went wrong, I gotta listen to him gripe about his bowling scores. Now, I'm going to bust your ass for those three bags, and I'm going to nail you for picking your feet for Pepsi. And let's instead get into... Michael Buffer. Oh, why am I so soft? Let's get ready to rumble! That's weak sauce. How's this? Welcome to the main event. It's better. It's better. Okay, everybody, the main event time. <laughs> Just kind of dropped out of that. Okay, y'all ready for this? We're doing our own sound effects. (laughs) That was just not meant to happen. That's what we do here. This is the 10 movies, our 10 favorite movies, featuring SNL alum, former or current. I suppose maybe some of these movies could have a current cast member, although I don't think they are. Kate McKinnon. She could. Okay, yeah, Kate McKinnon could definitely be in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And isn't um, Chris Hammond the current Don Pardo of SNL? Oh, yes, uh, Daryl Hammond. Yeah. Daryl Hammond, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. So he, he could very well be in some of these movies. He I could don't, be. don't think so, but he might. So that's the rule. Um, we didn't really talk about, like, setting parameters or boundaries, but, like, you said, like, all of your movies have three I went or with, more. As long as it has at least three SNL alum. For me, I, the way I said it was, as long as there's two and those two people are featured prominently in the movie, uh, I will accept it. Hopefully you will allow it as well. I will allow it. Okay. I will allow it. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to go back and forth. These are not ranked. 
uh, although you may have ranked them. I purposely did not. Okay, I have, okay. I have a long list of, of so we can we can do ten unique. So we don't unique have New York. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> was that in the second one? That was in the first one. That was in the first one. It was oh my gosh. I feel like they went a little nuts with the second one. Sand Crater saw my pee-pee. <laughs> saw my pee-pee. <laughs> you say, are you saying they saw your pee-pee? <laughs> I love how that lingered uncomfortably. Oh, it was so good. So good. Oh, I love it. Will Ferrell. Oh, Will Ferrell's the best. Didn't used to always think so, but <clears throat> I was categorically wrong early on. He's wonderful. Okay, uh, so you will get to go first since I went first I'll go with first. the okay. party. Okay. Well, this is... Dude, it's 38 minutes, and we're now... We're, we're, we're just, like, plowing wow. straight through, man. Wow. We did not do badly. Wow. 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 Pow, pow. Wow. I was trying to do, oh. like, Owen Wilson. That's, oh, I like That's trying, but it, it didn't sound good. I think it, I think it worked. Wow. <laughs> pow. Pow. <laughs> pow, pow. <laughs> okay, so the first movie for you, what's um, it going to be? And we each have some additionals, just in case there is some overlap. Let's see. I'm I'm gonna go ahead. Um, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come charging out of the gates. This one probably, if I would have ranked them, would have been super high for me. But I want to go ahead and make sure. I know they would make the list either. Ooh, way. you're gonna cut me off. Go ahead. <sighs> I'm gonna go Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Yeah, that's that was one pick movie that I picked as well. So, uh, the cast members for Tommy Boy include Chris Farley, David Spade, and Dan Aykroyd. Yep. There's your three. Um, I mean, what can you say about Tommy Boy, man? It's so good. It's Chris Farley's opus. It's, yeah, it is the best Chris Farley film, bar none. Easily. Yeah. Um, it, it's his, you know, rosebud. Yeah. <laughs> Every, Citizen Kane. That's everything right. about them. Because I, honestly, I think it's probably, you know, David Spade obviously has had a longer career, but I don't know. There's been, I mean, he's had, I mean, the first Joe Dirt had its moments. Dickie Roberts had his moments. Yeah. But I don't, I mean. Oh, David Spade owes his career to Tommy Boy and Chris he, Farley. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Without Richard from um, from Tommy Boy, yeah, I don't know that there is a David Spade. And David Spade did, to his credit, kind of reinvent his career to go from that preppy kind of, you know, like little shit from like PCU, like those yep. kinds of roles, to sort of the sleazy like sex pot yeah. kind of rocker guy. Like yeah. he really changed I'm, his. He did his that image. well. He did. He did. It wasn't bad. He plays to like his strengths. He did. He did. I like David Spade a lot. I think he's his really stand-up funny. is pretty solid. I like his stand-up. Yeah, his stand-up is pretty great. Um, so Tommy Boy, uh, Dan Aykroyd. What do you What do you got to say about Dan Aykroyd? He's <clears throat> kind of always been hit or miss since the eighties. He, um, you know, uh, now I'm um, Zelensky. Uh, the yeah, he was the, like the the rival the uh, auto parts king. Yeah, the auto parts. I made car parts for the American working man because that's who I am and that's who I care about. <laughs> That was the <coughs> that was the ad that, that he played constantly around the around the clock locally. Um, I, I liked him. I thought he was good. I, 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 I the whole I mean you got Brian Dennehy, Rob Lowe, um, Bo Derek um, filling in some of the you know the other. Isn't roles. Brian Dennehy as like Chris Farley's dad just perfect? That, that worked so well. I mean that, <laughs> that was, was a stroke of genius. Oh my goodness, that was that was great casting. And then you know, they had, a, I mean, the great supporting cast, people that you never really saw in anything else or we wouldn't necessarily know from. Yeah, like his love interest. Who was that again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this stuff up <sighs> on IMDb while you, you, talk, you talk about, talk glowingly about Tommy Boy. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, Chris, and I, I think what it was what was really great about it is, you know, Saturday, a, a lot of these, I mean, especially that cast, you know, Sandler, Farley, Spade, um, McDonald, um, Tim Meadows, all the uh, the... 
um, early to mid '90s, before the Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, mm-hmm. you know that whole cast kind of moved in. You had this transition from the John Lovitz, uh, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, all, all those guys. You had kind of this middle transition where they came in on the front on the back end of these big names. They had their moment to shine, and then everybody kind of moved on. Tim Meadows lingered in with the new cast a little bit. And from what I understand, he was supposed. It was assumed that he was going to go out with that whole <clears throat> group of uh, actors, but he, yeah, he did he linger for around, quite a he while. He stuck around for a good long while, yeah. and uh, he's he's really coming to his own. He's played bit roles here and there. I know we talked. Uh, pop star, he was fantastic in that. I've, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. I like him on uh, the Goldbergs. The Goldbergs, he's, he's great. great. He's great, great on there. Yep. But um, you know, you, you had these guys that really just—I mean, Spade and Farley and Sandler—and I mean, these guys just ruled the box office in the '90s. Yeah. And Tommy Boy was just such—I mean, so, like you can watch Tommy Boy over and over and over. Can I give one more quick? Yes. Uh, shout out for uh, 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 we were just talking about. Um, John of the Brand is being dead That's, from suicide. Can I give another quick shout-out to his suicide? Just, just <laughs> How dare suicide. you, sir? No, uh, we, we were talking about, uh, why, why am I, like, drawing a blank? Ladies' man, you know. Tim Meadows? Tim Meadows, thank you. God, do you see how my brain just locks it's up? It's all right. You were thinking it just Jonathan freezes Brandis. up. No, one of my favorite roles of his in understated roles was, like, in Dewey Cox. Yes. Well, I, I no, l- Dewey. You don't want this. It makes you feel good, and you have sex, and it makes the sex feel great. Oh, is it addictive? Not at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I think I want it. <laughs> no, Dewey, no. <laughs> I love Tim Meadows in that. But anyway, sorry. Uh, no, back he... to... So, yeah, Peter Segala directed that, and he's, yes. in case you were curious, he did Naked Gun 33 and a third. My Fellow Americans... Um, uh, nutty Professor 2, he did the clumps. He did the clumps. So you can thank him for Full that. Full circle. Anger Management, 51st Days, The Longest Yard. Gets so like some Adam Sandler stuff. He, yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like there's a him and Sandler connection. He did the grudge match, that Robert De Niro. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, who was the other? Was it Peter? Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't bad, actually. That was kind of an enjoyable. Surprisingly. Yep. Anyway, so that that's just to let you know what other stuff he's uh, done in the past. Um... I, there, it has a really like Rob Lowe yeah. is great in that too like I really enjoyed him in that I like it when he plays like a villainous type character real jerky kind of I mean, he, he does that. it's it's funny having seen him in Parks and Rec play such an upbeat positive yes. character like you really get a sense when you when you think of all the things Rob Lowe's done he's got quite a bit of range yeah he really does he's not just the guy who has sex with underage girls no that's not <laughs> It's not his legacy. If that's the only thing you're going to credit with him, him with, that you're wrong. You're dead wrong. But yeah, Bo Derek. I mean, I I was really not familiar. Julie Warner. That was the girl. The girl. Yeah. yeah, that was the girl that was like the love interest of Tommy. You know, real sweet girl, like perfect for Tommy. You're like who? You're and you're watching this. You're like, who would want to be in a relationship with this guy? He's lovable for sure, but he's just a he's just a hurricane that just blows through your life. And I think, you know, I think all of the things that I've watched from guys that knew Farley and all the people talk about Farley, I feel like this is probably the closest that you would get to, like, this is just Chris Farley being Chris Farley. Yeah. It's like, And I think that's why it felt so good, because everything else he did, like Black Sheep, they were trying to make Tommy Boy again, yeah. and they were forcing it. So it works in a lot of ways, but it was... It, there were some... There were some- struggles behind yeah. the scenes too that made that movie not so enjoyable for the people that making the movie and uh, Beverly Hills Ninja oh, terrible it was not good I, um, I couldn't stand his hair in that movie it's, no but um 
a lot of really funny one-liners, oh, you know, my like goodness. quotes from Tommy Boy. Um, I, and, and little silly stuff, too. Like, I just love the part where they're, like, getting gas. And he's moving the car, and he just, like, rips the door off. What'd you do? But he tries to put it back like a kid would do. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? <laughs> or that poor car takes a beating in that it movie. It really does. David Spade's prized possession. Like, I love the part where he's, like, eating, like, peanut M&Ms, and, like, they roll down the dra- the dashboard. It's When when you think about it, it's it's essentially planes, trains, and automobiles. It, yeah. Updated. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's one of those, like, what's good about it is it stands on its own. Like, you wouldn't just say, oh, this is just planes, trains, and automobiles with a couple of different guys. It's not like, tr- pl- well, planes, trains, and automobiles was, like, mostly on the road. Like, I feel like they were like, we got these two funny guys. Let's, and I like planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's just, there's, like, a little 20-minute section of planes, trains, and automobiles, it feels like, with, like, you know, where they're in the car and they're trying to save the company and, you know, like that's where it was the best. That's where it was just David Spade yeah. and and Chris Farley playing off of one another in the hotel room. You know, like knocking on the door, pretending to be room service. I mean, I, it's just hilarious stuff. Fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. Probably the most famous quote from the movie. The most famous bit that just makes everybody laugh, including Adam Sandler. Did you uh, eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I love the way he would react. To that, you know? He's like, hey, you just, you know, what you graduated and it only took you eight years. And I forget, like, Tommy says something. He goes, yeah. A lot, called, a lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. They're called doctors. That is like the best spade line, oh. I think. I just love that line. It was like it encapsulated all of his smarminess right there. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie talkie? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, but yeah, Tommy Boy was great. It and it, you know, we thought it might be the launching pad, that the same launching pad that a year ago was Happy Gilmore for Adam Sandler. You yeah. just assumed that they would have similar trajectories, and and you know he would have a movie career for twenty years. You just thought, it. And, you know, unfortunately he had his demons, and he you know just Farley didn't. left us way too early. He left us way too early, and I have a feeling he's going to show up again in this list. You know, maybe not as the headlining star, but he'll he's going to show up again. I have him in some in at least one other thing. Chris Farley is just one of the funniest human beings ever. And, you know, I I love that there was such a good partnership between Spade and Farley because, you know, Spade has said a number of times that like Chris Farley couldn't write his own stuff. No. Like David Spade and well, anybody can write things for Chris. Like he could just show up and nail whatever anybody wrote for him. But, you know, David Spade, the only reason he, again, like he, he owed so much to Chris Farley, he knew, he recognized early on, that he was like, if I'm going to get on SNL, if I'm going to have bits, if I'm going to have a career, I need to I need to buddy up with this guy somehow. And I need to be the the nerdy, skinny little guy to his big, Hulk, like, you know, man child, you know, fat guy, basically. Yeah. And it was a great it was it was brilliant. And David Spade could write and they, you know, they, they did good stuff together. And I mean Farley, I was I was watching an, an interview with um, uh, Dana Carvey the other day, and he was talking about a sketch that he was doing with uh, Sandler um, when they were, and Farley was in it too. Farley just had one line, <laughs> and they were they were doing the the pepper. They were waiters, and they were doing the pepper, and it was this very overly sexualized. Um, where you know he's like, oh, you like it the pepper? Yeah, I remember that bit. Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, he, Sandler's supposed to come over and do the pepper for Farley, and he's very timid. He's like, oh, you, you want the pepper? You know, and, and he's doing his Sandler, really timid kind of guy. And uh, Farley's just supposed to say, well, thank you, pepper boy. 
and he just he just transforms. He's got this big beard. He's like, "Well, thank you, Pepper Boy," <laughs> and he just I mean just and he ad libs a couple more lines. Oh and, man, I bet Adam Sandler lost oh, it. <laughs> Harvey in in the character's voice, like, I "Don't break," you know. He's trying. He's like, "No," he's like, "This this whole bit is gonna be classic." If you keep it together. If so you, Dana and Adam are like the pepper guys. Yeah, they were the okay, pepper okay. guys. Okay, okay. So he was, was standing there. And that, I mean, that was just. Why? Well, thank you. Why? Well, thank you, Pepper <laughs> Boy. Uh, it just, I mean, that was the thing about Farley. Farley I wonder just, how Lord Michaels. He must have loved him because he was so good for the show. But he was. I mean, like Farley was just. He was one of those guys. He'll go down as one of the, the SNL greats. Yeah. And he, I mean, he doesn't have an illustrious film career. He doesn't have no, a lot of great. But not things. a lot of SNL guys do no. really. I mean, it's it's kind of a. It, it launched a, f- a handful of careers, most certainly, but it's becoming less and less the norm nowadays. Yeah. Like, not a lot of actors. No. I f- most of them are just going into TV and not film, if you've noticed. I mean, like, Bill yeah. Hader now does Barry. And, yep. um, you know, I, I know, like, Bobby Moynihan has done some he TV had that show stuff. show on CBS. Yeah, the show on CBS, and he, he voices one of the ducks from DuckTales. Oh, no, that's right, yeah. Um... And then when Kate McKinnon eventually says goodbye, wherever wherever she goes, I wonder if she'll just get like a Netflix show or something. Might be best off just yeah. to do that. She because it's, she's, she's been in movies. She's been in movies, and she she can hold her own. I don't know that she could be a a leading vehicle for something. Yeah. I think she would always be a really good. I mean, like I, I don't know. I, I there's a part of me that thinks that the days of like. You know, uh, of a of a Tommy Boy, where you have two guys from SNL that are just running a movie, or a Billy Madison, or yeah. I mean, a number of other films where it's like this was where a character from Saturday Night Live directly translates to a movie. Oh, those days uh, are long those, gone. And it's yeah. like that they don't do characters. Nobody wants way. to do like those comedies anymore. Like no. everything has to be like a sequel, prequel, yep. or remake. So this, I mean, but she's a scene stealer, you yeah. know, like she's like the one that comes in and just says, does something hilarious and, yeah. then and disappears. She, she even just look into the camera with some kind of look and yeah. just get the crowd going. So she's got charisma. She's, she's got, the superstar of the current te- yeah. cast. I, I like her and Cicely. Uh, is it Tyson? Cicely Strong. Strong. Yes. Cicely Tyson. That is a person. Yes. It's probably a person. It's gotta be a person. I <laughs> know. Cicely Strong is really funny too. I'd like to see something with you know, like her. She, yeah, she would. I I don't know. Well, she was in a movie um, that featured a lot of SNL members too. It was it it, it, was, it takes place in uh, Staten Island or something like they work at a pool and uh, it, it was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. She was in the Ghostbusters remake too. That's right. She played like the uh, the mayor's like right hand lady yep. or whatever. She's pretty funny in that too. Um, okay, so Tell yeah, me. that's that's our Tell first pick. I'm ready. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? No, no, no. Your face does. Okay, let's check you out. All right. <laughs> that's a clip, huh? Hi, are you sure? Yeah. All right, now, it's sale time. So remember, we don't take no... No shit from anyone. Um, so my first pick is going to be oh boy it's like I'm it's like the draft you know yeah. I have so many great ones yep. to choose from it's hard mm, I'm gonna have to take um, I have to take hot rod <laughs> I have to man because it's such an underrated it really is underappreciated and overlooked movie. Um, it, of course, has Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, and Chris Parnell. That's your uh, SNL alums. Yep. And, uh, and, and um, what's the other one of the other guys from Lonely Island? Uh, the, who stars? Is oh, Jorma Tacone. 
Jorma, I think, was a writer on SNL. I think he was, yeah. Uh, not a cast member, but I think he pretty pretty sure he was a writer. So you could kind of toss him in there if you wanted to. Uh, but you put those guys in with, you know, people like uh, Danny McBride, who could easily have been an SNL like oh, cast yeah. member. You know, he if if you would not, it would not surprise me if he came up through like the Groundlings or something. Yeah. Uh, and you had this like perfect storm of a cast, just a hilarious movie. And you throw Isla Fisher in as well, who's just one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Has to be if she's gonna like live with you know Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> I just call him by his character, most famous character. Bruno. <laughs> Bruno was Allie G. Yeah, Ali G. Never did get that. That wasn't for me. Ali G wasn't for me. I'm a poet. And you didn't even know it. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, obviously there's the, you know, you know, there, there was the one scene that everybody's familiar with. Goodbye. Babe, wait. Babe, wait. Babe, wait. Babe. Babe, wait. Babe. So if you're playing at home and you heard me say hot rod, you're and then you had right around the 50 minute mark, 52, 53 minute mark, you're the winner. Bing pop. Um, but there's so many other hilarious moments like I was just trying to think of, you know, what parts I like the most, and it's impossible, because just, like, scene to scene to scene is just this quote, inc insanely quotable, hilarious and thing that happens, you Sissy know? Spacek and Ian McShane. Yeah. I mean, two solid, real, I mean, like, it would not be hard for Andy Real Samberg. actors. Yeah, it's yeah. like Andy Samberg and his buddies to get around and do silly, stupid stuff. Yeah. Totally easy. But, like, Sissy Spacek and Ian McShane jump in the mix, like, that... I think just I think that validifies it. It kind of does. You know what I just decided? Any movie that you've seen that I've seen, I'm just going to designate you team captain for like summarizing a movie. Some because <laughs> you're just better at it than I am. Summarize Hot Rod for me right now. Go. Hot Rod is a guy on a motorbike needs to save his stepdad. It's like half a motorbike. It's a half a motorbike. <laughs> a guy in half motorbike. Uh huh. He's a stunt man. Mm -hmm. And he uh, needs to save his stepdad who needs a heart for $50,000. So he has to do a big stunt. And he get, he does the big stunt. And that stunt when won them a conveniently... <laughs> conveniently numbered $50,000 for a heart transplant. Right. That That's basically the movie. So it, every, every scene is just to, to highlight how ridiculous this plot even is. You know, he does all these, like, amateur stunts, whether it be they throw him into a pool at a kid's party... And he's supposed to escape. Yeah. Ah, ah. Ring the bell. <laughs> it's just silly stuff. And then, of course, he goes like, you know, heart of an eagle or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like, mind of a dolphin. I can't remember what it was. But, yeah, he's, like, looking at each one of the creatures above him. Pretty funny. I love, I love, I, I, like, I just sit there and I laugh like an idiot. Yeah. Every time I watch the scene where he's doing his, his dance fighting and then he jumps and he goes tumbling down the hill. And oh, he yeah. For like two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was, was the scene so where it was like the Kevin Bacon from Footloose yes. kind of scene. He, there's so a pummel horse for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like when he's falling down the hill, it is so gratuitous and it lasts so long. Yes. But I feel like that's one of the key elements of Andy Samberg's sense of humor. Yeah. It's just like prolonging how, things. How long can I yeah. stretch this to where like you almost feel awkward that you're still laughing? And I love that. I cannot get enough of that. Uh, Danny McBride is the secret MVP of this movie. It, it's uh, it's the movie that I discovered him 
Uh, I know that he was in a movie called Foot Fist Way, which is enjoyable if you know, especially if you're like a Danny McBride fan like I am. And he's just really come into his own yeah. in the last you know five years or so. Uh, but he's just a real creative force with a very distinct sense of humor. Nobody else there liking. I mean, no one even comes close to like what he's doing. And uh, Rico, the guy who builds yeah. the ramps, like <laughs> I love it when like Andy decides to quit, and Rico's just so upset. And he's he's always wearing like that sleeveless T-shirt and crap. He's like, "Who am I gonna build ramps for now?" <laughs> who? Tell me who. <laughs> this is like per like every scene feels like everyone just ad libbed the hell out of the movie. And uh, I, I I love when you know he comes to, <laughs> after Rod crashes his luge into the side of the. Yes, the guy who comes out. What the hell's going on? Somebody's gonna get their dickhole punched. <laughs> And he just blows up. He it just does. explodes into this guy and just takes. <laughs> it's a good good description of he explodes. Oh. It's like, you're going to wake the demons in me. <laughs> I go to church every goddamn Sunday. You're going to bring the demons out of me? Oh, I drink green tea all goddamn day. <laughs> it's like, what does that have to do with anything? This is my hat now. This is totally, totally my, my hat. That's the best part. Oh, I love that. He just grabs the hat. Don't, and they're all like, don't dump the garbage on him. He's just dumping his own garbage on him. <laughs> it cuts to him dumping all the oh, garbage. So oh, so love bad. it, love it, love it. Uh, there was the, like, you I found all these fireworks in the bathroom. And then, like, Bill Hader comes back out of nowhere with the famous. And, like, <laughs> the, yes, bath the bathrooms here are nuts. <laughs> I love Bill Hader so much. He has, like, the best voice. He really does. It's, it's super unique. I want to know where he, like, comes from. And they just, did they manufacture Bill Hader? Because his his guy. voice like doesn't sound like anything no. that I you know it's just purely Bill Hader. Yeah, he might be an alien. He could be. That's all I'm saying is Bill might Bill Hader might not be of this planet, but I'm he's okay just amazing. It. I love Bill Hader to if death. If he is an alien, he's a better alien than E. T. And Mac and me. Okay, you got you got me there. I would not go to. I'm not dying on any hill to save the the reputation Mac of and Mac me. and me for sure. Um, but you know, there's see like like I said, Isla Fisher is great. She, she just, like, willingly goes along with everything. Like, oh, there's no reason why this really attractive, beautiful, uh, smart, funny girl would, like, hang out with him. But it's, you know, she's she comes to town on the arm of one of the greatest, greatest characters ever. Uh, what, what, what's the character's name? I can't. All I remember is Sully. Sullivan! You chode. <laughs> oh, Will Arnett is so damn good in this movie. And this is Jonathan. A, Jonathan, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what car is really overrated? What's that? A Corvette. Yes. <laughs> the, that was um, uh, Andy trying to win the uh, affections. I, I love the part where he was just like wearing the Hulkamania shirt. Yeah. And he just decides like the best way to impress her is just to bang on an engine with like a mallet. <laughs> and he, he pre-administers the test to see whether or not yeah, she's worthy. The initiation. The initiation where he just like spits icy. Dumps, like, yeah. He dumps icy all over his shoes. It's crazy. You wouldn't even believe it, you know, and then he does. Um, but I, you just assume they were, like, good friends as, like, small children. Yes. They they sort of tease that, like, she's back in town, but she hasn't seen Rod in quite some time. Andy He's, Samberg and the Rod character would be a pretty enjoyable little kid to hang around. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't want to just spend a whole, whole, whole bunch of time on Hot Rod. I think it's just a gem. It is great. It's a great movie. I can watch it any time. came out in 2007, so that movie is 12 years old now. And it, it makes me sad. 
That movie's a tween. It is. It could, it's old enough to be a tween. It could be watching, you know, That's So Raven on the Disney yeah. Channel. Core audience. You could drop it off at the mall with its friends. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. And then and then spy on it. Yep. <laughs> you could you spy on Hot Rod. Make sure it's not up to anything sexual. Nefarious. <sighs> or nefarious. Sex is not nefarious. I assume children are nefarious. They they tend well, kids just do dumb shit. Everybody's got I a story do. when they were a kid where she's like, why did I do that? I don't know. Just did. Hey, what happened to Ron's jacket? Wait a minute. Where did uh, Ron's jacket go? Audio Magic. listeners are way super confused. Magic. But if you heard me say that I'm sweating like Boss Hog, you just assume that Ron's wearing one layer, one layer of clothing too much. And by the way, recording like YouTube Magic, there's a lot of lights in this. There's a lot of lights. And lights in here, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's hot. It is. Like, how are you not hot? I probably am. Okay. Is there like a damp? That's like a... I'll just sit like this. <laughs> a moistness. <laughs> just trap, trap the odor. Okay, so that Too that old. was Hot Rod. Kids, twelve years old, and uh, it makes me sad that that movie like was such a failure for all of them. Because <clears throat> Bill Hader was, um, I saw him in an interview, and Hot Rod came up, and uh, they, you know they were talking about the success. Like Kristen Wiig was like the first big breakout star of his you know generation of SNL cast members. And it's like, although I was really happy for Kristen and she was like the first of us to really break out, you know, we were so excited to get our own movie and it just bombed so hard. I think, I think it's one of those, like, it, it um, that, the kind of comedy they do, it caters to a large audience, yeah. but not the kind of audience that is prone to... Um, Go see a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one of, like, you know, you're, it, it's, it's kind of that, uh, that... Uh, I'd say like early to mid twenties to like, like late thirties. I mean, you're kind of like there's. Um, I say the same. The Dana Carvey show, I think, was just ahead of its time because yeah. the comedy that was there is so good. It's just your average mainstream audience has no appreciation for it. Like the kind of stuff that the Lonely Islands do, the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that Andy Samberg and Bill Hader were doing on Saturday Night Live. I don't think people appreciated their brand of comedy because it's it's it's. I think people dismiss it as just stupid or juvenile. And really, it's it's still very intelligent. It's just people don't give it enough of a chance. And I think that's what's on. Unf- I think that's why Hot Rod suffered is like there's a lot in the because it's not it's not even necessarily like a parody or a lampoon, but it's it's there's an element of that built into what they're talking about. And it's <clears throat> they and, you know, I don't know where what the brainchild was, if it was something that they always wanted to do, something they just kind of came. We come up with stuff like that all the time, just silly little scenarios. Yeah. And they build up into these things. Yeah. And uh, for them, it's like, OK, the uh, uh, the uh, the montage where everybody starts singing and it's this, you know, and then it turns into a riot and they're smashing stuff oh and they're God. leaving. It's like <laughs> that, that really escalated quickly. <laughs> like that whole that Are we sequence, responsible for that? The buildup of that sequence, the turn that happens, and then yes. the dialogue after, all three of those parts are golden. It is a masterful of a sequence of events. It's so great. And I feel like so many people would watch that and would miss like, why are they singing? If that were a digital short from SNL oh. that you could just plop down on YouTube, well, I was going to ask you, did did Lonely, did Lazy Sunday come out before or after this movie, I wonder? Uh, I feel like Lazy Sunday came out before. Okay. With the Chronicles of Narnia yeah, and all I that stuff. I feel like it was before. Okay, okay. Because that, you know, talking about Andy was, it came up in that Bill Hader discussion, and they, you know, he was talking about how, much he blew up because of that little like that was the first time anyone ever really paid any attention to youtube yeah 
was, you know, that. I mean, there was a cat videos, and then there was like laser little, cats. you know, Lazy Sunday, and you know, Laser Cats is great. Um, it, it, but I mean, to, to you know, and I agree with you that they were like ahead of their time. But then Popstar came out ten years later and also bombed. Yeah, I think I think there's I think there's just a very because uh, I actually I just watched the Lonely Islands um, the visual poem about the bad. Oh, rivers. Oakland Nights. I watched. I That's watched hilarious. That it's fantastic. It's great. And I think I think it's just when it like and Akiva gets to like he jump gets in to and really be, yeah. Like Jorma's just in a little bit at the end as and I'm and Tom or Mark McGuire. <laughs> like I love the way he delivers that. I'm Jose. I'm Jose. And I'm, I'm Mark. Mark. <laughs> and it was like and it was like they're the the way they just all fit together is so perfect. And I just I feel like it's just it's just offbeat enough yeah. that your mainstream audience is sitting there going like I don't get it. Yeah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. You you can't have tremendous fame and then you're just not gonna have a huge. You'll you'll have a big audience and there'll be a loyal audience that'll always keep Andy Sandberg fed because they'll just flock to whatever it is that he's doing. And uh, I like that he's bringing in like Jorma and Akiva like you know to, they they're not quitting the Lonely no. Island brand. No, and and because in Popstar too, like I like um, because you got Maya Rudolph in there too, and you got Tim Meadows, yeah, and Chris Red who plays Hunter the Hungry. He's he's in the current cast. But I did. He's uh, (laughs) I didn't do that. (laughs) He's the also featuring. He hasn't made. I hope in the because they just wrapped. I think it was two weeks ago. That was the last episode of uh, season forty four with Paul Rudd was the host of Saturday Night Live, and um, Chris Red for the last two seasons has been uh, also featured. Um, and that's usually kind of the testing ground. Is he the guy him. that does Kanye? Yeah. Okay. He's funny, I, he, dude. He's really, and I hope yeah. over the summer, him and Heidi Gardner, especially the two of them, I, I she's think, kind of like awkward girl or whatever. Yeah, and so. she, the, they're both, they're both ripe to join the cast. I mean, they are cast material. Yeah. And I think they've really proven themselves. And I, like that, he, Hunter the Hungry, Chris Red in Popstar was one of my favorite characters, <laughs> and he because pl- he plays crazy so well. He really does. Um, he really. But does. he's he's a really. I mean, like they don't use him as much in a lot of sketches, and they use him kind of in typecast ways. But yeah, when, when a he, black guy. When he yeah. has a moment to shine on the show, he does really well and so I, I, I like that's one of the things I like I, with with Lonely Islands with Andy Samberg with with this kind of material I like that they're truer to what they want to do even if it doesn't succeed commercially that they're saying okay this is what we want because I think they're smart enough to know if we wanted to pander to the general audience they could change things up a little bit and I think you see that from Hot Rod to Popstar because I think there are some things that they did kind of change up to try and make it more commercially successful mm-hmm. um, They, I mean adding in a lot more kind of may, I mean mainstream kind of things that you know people could really latch on to it's it's you know this mockumentary people i thought pop star was going to be a hit i did too i mean nobody showed up for it no and it's just kind of i went to see it and the theater was dead (laughs) nobody was there and i I think it's i think it's one of those like i think andy samberg in our realm has enough star power to do anything but i think in the mainstream i think it's just you know uh, when you have hot rod when you have pop star and these things just aren't Doing well. I, I hope that um, their Netflix thing does well. I know they have a tour. Oh, it will. Like, I get the impression that just everything does well on Netflix. Yeah. You know? It's a Netflix original. It's like, oh, we love it. Oh, we love it. Well, I mean, and they do curate their stuff. I mean, it's good stuff. Like, yeah. they don't just drop trash. Like, everything just yeah. seems to be of a quality. Like, HBO is just kind of known for, like, you know, whatever it is that HBO is doing is going to be quality. Uh, only, only the most talented, uh, you know, people are attracted to those projects, or you know, get to be in those projects. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, I, I would like them to see, I want to see them do more of that stuff. Cause like, it's what, only like 30 minutes yeah. or something. It's very short. And I mean, Andy Samberg on his own has been commercially successful. So I think Brooklyn nine, nine, Brooklyn nine, nine has been doing fantastic. He shows up in movies. He's, you know, he's, he's in had, the Storks movie. Yeah. Like, he's a hotel. He's reliable. One, two and three. Yeah. Yeah. He's a reliable guy. He's a name. He's, People know who he is. He's got commercial success. And that's why I like, because he's smart enough to know if we want to do something that's commercially successful, we can do it. But they're more true to what, it's like, this is what we do. This is what the Lonely Island is all about. And he, they, he, he, he constantly kind of uh, is, he's a de- self-deprecating kind of guy, but he's cool with everybody. He, like, he's so much more appealing Jimmy Fallon type for yeah. me. It's, he can play well with just so many people. And he's really talented. You have to be to be able to, you know, do the songs that they do. I'm sure he has a hand in writing almost all that stuff. Uh, even the guy's just hilarious. He's constantly funny. He just keeps coming up with new things. They don't even really recycle their gags. No. Like they just keep coming up with new stuff. So I, I hope Andy. Andy kind of reminds me of like a, like a Steve Martin type. Yeah. You know, he's really good at physical comedy. Uh, he just pops up in anything and he nails it like no matter what. And, you know, I, I just hope he has a nice long career, like similar to Steve Martin. Well, I think even like the, I know we've got enough track of the hot rod, but. I talk no, I don't to, care. It's uh, our show. We do what we want. Yeah. We, whatever. We do what we want. <laughs> it's but totally our show. I think, <laughs> I think the, that final number that they did in Popstar, um, the Incredible Thoughts, that song that they do with Michael Bolton, which I love when they interact with Michael Bolton. Yeah. Um, the Jack Pirates of the song. Caribbean. Oh, <laughs> I watched it again yesterday because I just love it. It's gold. It's so good. But like. I, I, what? That that song, Incredible <laughs> Thoughts, I really appreciate because I think that really speaks. It's it's that to me felt like this is almost the explanation of what they do. It's like they just have these weird thoughts and they find a way to twist it and turn it and morph it into this comedic element, and yeah. then they put it on display. And the people that can appreciate it really do. Uh, I think. I mean, that's why it's like you know the. Hot Rod, I think, even though you, you, it's one of those to me, it's like, okay, if it wasn't commercially successful, I think it really, uh, it still was a huge success in the way that the people that understand their comedy were able to really enjoy what they have to offer. It definitely found its audience. People that I like talk to about, you know, humorous movies, you know, they all have heard of it. Yeah. They all kind of like, oh yeah, that was funny. I forgot yeah. about that movie. It was funny. So, you know, I didn't go see it in theaters when it came out. I, I remember thinking, I saw trailers for it and go, thought, that's pretty funny. Yeah. That looks pretty funny. But, I mean, whatever it is, like, whatever they're, they're you know, whatever wavelength they're on, I'm on it, too. Because, yeah. like, everything they do is just hilarious. I love it. Oh, I'm freaking pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. Oh, man, he hit his ass with a parking towel, man. God, I go to church every goddamn Sunday. You gonna bring the demons out of me? Hey, orange balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady teas and give me two of those. Give me six of those. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. Next movie is a no-brainer. You guys all expected this movie. I'm gonna go ahead and call it because I'm wearing the t-shirt. Wayne and Garth, Wayne Campbell, Garth Algar in Wayne's World. Party time, party time, excellent. I love those, both movies. I'm just gonna say both movies. That's Can fine. we say that? Because uh, I, I don't wanna pick. I don't wanna out. pick which one. I, I didn't wanna put two Wayne's World movies in, but they're just both so great and so different, but both so great. Um, 
but you know, focusing on the first movie because I think people accept the first movie as the better movie. Yeah. Uh, in the second movie, they were more playful. It seemed like Mike Myers had a lot more rope to kind of do it, what Mike Myers does. Yeah. Uh, his signature was definitely all over that. Uh, but, you know, the first one, uh, immensely popular, arguably the most popular SNL movie where they actually took straight up SNL characters yeah. and, and, and made a movie out of it. I say arguably because there's one other movie that could be top, you know, could potentially take that on. But... Um, Let's see. Uh, Wayne's World had Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, and it had Chris Farley peppered in there. Brian Doyle Murray was up too. Brian Doyle Murray was in there. He was the owner of Noah's Arcade. Yep. <laughs> How did this like his idea go? It's hip. It's hip. It's cool. It's. <sighs> I don't know. But then like Mike Myers, he does the famous. A sphincter says what? <laughs> what? Stranger says what? Talk about your quotes. There were more like T-shirt quotes from Wayne's World than like possibly any other movie in at least the early parts of the nineties. <laughs> Swing, you know, like, and, and I love that they continued to be famous and successful on the show. Yeah, you know, like they were real popular on the show. They did the movies, and then they would continue doing the bits from the show. I love their fascination with Heather Locklear. It's great. Uh, I, we, we talk about the quote all the time about the gun rack, which is one of the funniest written lines and best <laughs> delivered lines ever, where his psycho girlfriend, Stacy, like he's just, I guess, always in the brick. He's just always wants to break up with this girl. He's, it's just that thing. Like I want to yes. break up with this girl, but I don't know how to do it. And I guess he does break up with her, but she isn't like taking she it. She rejects the she breakup. Keeps- keeps and she home. gives him this gift and like, they're like their favorite place to hang out at the donut place. He unwraps it kind of excited and like, what's it going to be? And it's just like a gun rack assembled. (laughs) A gun rack? A gun rack. I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. And uh, that's, was that Juliana Margulies? Is that who that was? Uh, Stacy? No, that was, um, oh, she got three names. Um, she was the villain in Men in Black 2. Clara Flynn Boyle, yep. <sighs> I knew she had three names. Sorry about all that dead air, everybody. Dead air. I may just edit the dead air nope, out. leave it in. Nope, okay. I love the dead air. <laughs> Gives character. Builds the moment. Suspense <gasps> is what we're all you about. Put, if anything, you can put in music there like, Ooh, oh geez, cool. Michael DeLuise, Dom DeLuise's kid, was one of the the, the headbanger guys. There you go. He was also, I believe, the dick in uh, Encino Man, <laughs> like the yep. bully. Yep, you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, Tia Carrere, my introduction to her, hilarious. Uh, Katrina, is that was that her name? No, no. Um, what was it? Crucial, crucial touch. Crucial. What was the name of the band? Crucial taunt. Because like Wayne says it at the end, crucial time. At the yeah. end. I can't remember. But, I can't either. But I, I like the, we talk about like the SNL cast members. We'll focus on them real quick. I, lo- I love the Chris Farley scene where it was just like the exposition scene yep. where he's standing outside backstage. And like Wayne, there, you know, he finds his way out there. Like, whoa, you know. And then there's Chris Farley conveniently there. And he, he gives him like the whole breakdown of where like Mr. Big's going to be. And like Wayne like turns to the camera and he's like, Wow. That was really convenient that I got all that information. I sure hope it comes in handy sometime. 
I love the wink and nods that they have. That was one of my favorite parts about that whole relationship with Wayne and Garth to the movie was their, I I always, I I don't know why, I just always enjoy that breaking the fourth wall. Oh, yeah. I just, I love that. When done well, it's great. Yeah, I I really enjoy that. You can't do it too much. Wayne does it, and Garth does it so infrequently that when he does do it, (laughs) it's just perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because was it, Wayne's World 2, I guess, was the one where they, like, start up in the top of their apartment, and then, like, Garth disappears, and yeah. then, like, Wayne, they go, well, they go down the, like, the elevator. But that, they did it in the first one, too, right? Because he's talking about his extensive collection of name tags and hairnets. Because yeah. <laughs> he comes up from the basement after doing their Wayne's World. Yes, yes. And, and then Garth pulls kitchen. up in the Murph Mobile, and then, of course, they have that that freaking scene, dude. Bohemian Rhapsody. Everybody loves and brought, put Queen back on the yep. map. And began that whole like respect love affair between Queen that, and Mike Myers. It legitimately was like because after watching Bohemian Rhapsody, it's like Queen really dropped off the radar entirely in America. Once Freddie died. Once Freddie died, and yeah. really, I mean, even throughout the eighties. I mean, like when he when they uh, showed up at Live Aid, it was a huge thing. Yeah, it was like in America in the, it, after. I mean, after like in the mid to late eighties. Uh, there like, was a stigma to not play Queen stuff, I guess. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, because they were so different. And I think they had made a video. They got banned on MTV, so they really they just like it wasn't that they weren't still making. Oh yeah, good I think that music. was featured in the movie. Yeah, too. and they were they were just like it, they just dropped off the radar. Like no one thought about them. No one heard. But um, and I know we've talked about it before. But I remember um, uh, Mike. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Thank you. I was thinking, see how see how it goes. It, it happens. It you start happens. talking to the camera, and then you you go blank. But yeah, um, Mike Myers was adamant. He was ready to walk off the the entire project, which would have mean we can't do this. Like yeah, you can't yeah. do it without Mike Myers. No, you can't. He was he was end of adamant. end of the movie. Yeah, he was that adamant about Bohemian Rhapsody being the song. Right, because they wanted to and, put in some sort of song that they could sell on a soundtrack yep. and it's more you know, uh, uh, like current to like what's popular nowadays. But he was like, no, it has to be Bohemian Rhapsody. And it worked so well. And it's a perfect choice too, because, and this is not really ever talked about, but it's like the perfect link. Like Bohemian Rhapsody fails, would fail as a a hit song on, because it was just too long for radio. It's a really, really long song, but it fit perfectly for the whole introduction. Like they could get all the cast and crew, like names on there, you know, they can do whatever they, you can see the Aurora as a town. Like they got that great little montage where they're driving through Aurora. It was, it was was perfect. And it was the perfect length. And I I wonder if that had a lot to do with his insistence on keeping it in there. It's like, you know, the song just fits so great. And they all can like sing along to it, and they're just you know it's great. It was it really. That's one of the best framed shots oh, of yeah. all time when they're driving in the car, and you got the two friends in the back, and they're like constantly like you know like and it's so relatable that scene like as you and your friends and your teenagers. And by the way, these are like old like thirty year old guys basically playing like what just graduating high yeah. school. Like I always was not really quite sure about the age of what yeah. Wayne and Garth were supposed to be. They really don't. Because Wayne is living at home still, and you know, but but, but they have like wrinkles and shit, you yeah, know. Like, like, <laughs> these guys are older, but I don't know what age they're really supposed to be. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Well, like their headbanger friends are clearly younger. Yes, uh, and they got the long hair and stuff, and I, I don't know. It's it's just something that always kind of like I was curious about. Like I don't know if it's ever been said how old Wayne and Garth are. Yeah, I kind of don't want to know. No. Um, but just so many memorable scenes. Uh, I liked the scenes with Ed O'Neill where he has like that real, like kind of 
ominous, creepy. <laughs> Slightly dark kind of little monologue. Where he gets to take yeah. the monologue in the camera. Like, you're, you're supposed to follow Wayne and Garth, but, like, he kind of takes it. Come with me while I tell you about this horrific... You know, like when you when you kill a man in in the cold of night, <laughs> and he's, he's talking about like the soul leaves the body. Like, why do I like why do I cry? <laughs> it's like it's like Al Bundy because like the Married with Children was still like popular. Yes. He became Al Bundy. He transformed into him a little bit. Like life is horrible. Why am I alive? Um, and then like just Wayne, Wayne's World two, uh, they get pretty much everybody back. A bigger budget. Yep. Uh, I, I just love the absurdity of of the uh, the roadie that they recruit in yes. England. All the bits where they like fly over to England and they got like the lookalikes that you only see from the yeah, back from as the they're back. like visiting all the you know <laughs> all the like it's English Piccadilly like, Circus. Yeah, <sighs> and uh, it's, it's it's I always the what I really appreciated from that was like okay. The expensive part would be going to film in England, yeah. not getting your two guys from the movie to be there. Right. Like, it's right. just these slightly, these, I mean, you, you knew that for Dana Carvey and Mike Myers, like, these are just great little jokes that, like, yeah. they enjoyed. It's like, we got to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just a funny thing that it's, like, similar to, you know, like, what a Lonely Island would do. It's like, yep. wouldn't it be funny? We have the power and the cachet to pull this off. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, like, the shop, like, the, the, the roadie talking about, he, he keeps sharing that little story about, you know, Ozzy wouldn't go on stage unless he had his brown M&Ms. And then you, there was a little sweet shop. And, then, and he had to beat the Bengal tiger to death beat with his shoe. With his own shoe. <laughs> and the first time they hear the story, everybody's like, wow. Then like, But it gets, like, slightly it's crazier. Like three or four more times that they, he said <laughs> tells the same story. And they're just like, okay. Right, because he's training, like, Chris Farley pops up again as a different character. And he's trying to be a roadie. And, uh, you know, so, like... It just gets like more and more crazy. Like I don't understand. He's 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 like talking about setting up machine gun nests and distributing cyanide pills that you bite down on in case like you're captured. I guess. But this is just like the hell of being a roadie. Like, like I don't really get it. What? It doesn't make sense. Seems but I don't unnecessary. Doesn't need it to. And of course, you got the scene where Wayne is trying to stop. I don't know. Is that from the first one? It might be the first one where he's trying to stop the wedding of Cassandra. That no, that was the second was one because it was with Christopher Walken. Yeah. By the way, first time I ever really noticed Christopher Walken in a comedic role. Uh, it may have happened yeah. beforehand, but it, I, he was very much a dramatic actor yeah. up to that point, I feel like. And un it unlocked something where like he, at that point, right then and there became a comedian, like a comedic actor. Oh, absolutely. That was him, you know, like it was kind of like Leslie Nielsen. Something came along, he owned it hard. And I don't notice a lot of people giving them credit. Like, if that is the case, if that is, like, the first time people, like, watch that movie and go, you know, he's kind of a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Let's go ahead and cast him in some more silly stuff. And then Balls of Fury was made. <laughs> and that's how that happened. That's how that story was written. Close book, the end. Um, but, yeah, and then there was the, uh, but what I was getting to was they got uh, the actor. He switches out the actor in one of those, like, breaking the fourth yes. wall moments. And he's like, what? Uh, you know. I know this is like a small role, but surely we can get a better actor than this. And they bring out like Charlton Heston, and he yep. delivers the the line. How does it go? Oh, it was uh, what was the name of the on street? On Mulberry Street. Mulberry Street. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a girl that lived on Mulberry Street. And he goes with this whole like. Oh yeah, it was it was here. a monologue. Yeah. It's it like I know this is just a small line, but can't we get somebody a little bit better? Yes, yeah, he's like flubbing his lines and tripping over his words, and then like Mike Myers is like, "Thank you." <laughs> 
Um, so funny, the whole like village people bit that like started oh, out like not a village. That. Yeah, like they're all kind of spying they're on spying Cassandra. On Cassandra, yep. Yeah, and uh, one, you know, like one, you know, like Wayne is like a construction worker. No, little Garth was, I think, the no, he was the the guy who was like the the traffic, you know, guard Garth guy. was the, yeah. he was the traffic cop. Yeah. Wayne was working up on the. Uh, the telephone, the telephone bowl, right? Yeah. So they're all in their disguises. So they it lead like they disguise the joke really well, and so like the the gig is up, and they all like abandon their posts, and they're kind of running together, and then they bust through like this like gay nightclub gay basically, night and they're like, oh, the village people's here, and they like cue the YMCA music, but they just go with they it. Go with it. And they then just the naked roll. Indian was there, and he completed yeah. the encore. Yeah, the the weird naked Indian was there exactly. Tim Meadows as Sammy Davis Jr. in that. What? I don't remember that. Yeah. In the last sequence when uh, Wayne goes to visit yeah. to Jim Morrison, <clears throat> Sammy Davis Jr. is still there talking to Jim Morrison. Nice, and nice. It's Tim Meadows. I have to go back and watch. It's yep. been a few years since I've seen yep. either of the Wayne's World. But final final thing I want to shout out is the scene where Cassandra's dad visits from like Hong Kong. Yes. And they have that whole fight the in fight, the dubbed yes. voices. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that that used to be like my favorite scene would change, but for the longest time that was my favorite scene because it's just out of nowhere. Like Wayne Wayne knows karate, like karate, you know, <laughs> like, Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. He knows karate. He knows Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. So love that movie. Love the love both movies. Uh, that is my number two pick. I think you're right. I was I was going back and looking at uh, Christopher Walken's. Oh yeah. And I was like, I think he did. But 1988 Puss in Boots, where he played Puss. So it was like it was less than a dramatic role, but I don't think it would say it was a comedic role. And in Biloxi but, Blues, he was like a drill sergeant, yeah. wasn't he? So like, yeah, so I, you he, know, even though Matthew Broderick was in that and it had some comedic elements to it, he was he a, was still very. I mean, even Batman Returns, it was still he was a dramatic character. Yeah, in that. yeah, so it was like, Max Shrek. I think Wayne's World Two may really be the first time that he played anything that was Bobby Khan. Is that was his character's name? Yep, Bobby Khan. Dedicatedly comedic. So, yeah. so in the first Wayne's World movie, of course, you had uh, Rob Lowe, again, in a really funny, hilarious turn. Uh, was Because that came out before Tommy Boy. So they took two actors who weren't known for comedic roles, put them in a villain role, and they but made them intentionally funny. Yeah, and they so did it well. They, they both they were up to the task. Yep. And had nice, long careers afterwards because of that. Or imagine being able to be magically whisked away to... Delaware. Hi. I'm in Delaware. All right, Adam. What's your number three, sir? All right, number three. All right, so let's see here. So, um... I... I just kind of adjusted my balls, like, off camera there. I'm going to have to make sure I crop the image. I, I keep... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get to a place where I don't... Well, we're, we're sitting we're sitting in stools where we have been in the past, always sitting on a futon. Yes. And so, like, you know how it is, right? You got to make some adjustments. Yes. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> and distinguished ladies gentlemen who would never, never stoop to dick and ball jokes. Nope. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. It's not even a joke. I'm just saying. It's a fact of it's life. It's a fact of life. You take the good. You, you take, take the, the bad. bad. You yep. take okay. both. There you have. Sorry. You're, the you're next pick. Save us from this. No, the facts of life. Save us from this. The television program Facts of Life is my next choice. Tootie! <laughs> Blair. Natalie. Ah, uh, Joe. We know them all. We know them. We know all of them. George Clooney. Yep. Don't know his character's name. Mrs. Garrett. Oh, girls, girls. I love that, like, Mrs. Garrett's bust was a character in the family. Okay. She, it was a, it was a spinoff of, uh, 
different strokes. She was Mr. Drummond's housekeeper. I could see that, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, so... Little factoids we just drop in. We just drop... Nuggets of wisdom. In your ear. Yep, there you go. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Don't have to thank um, us. Let's see. I'll... I'm gonna... I'm gonna go ahead and go with uh, Groundhog Day. Well, okay. Brian Doyle Murray once again. You, you got Bill Murray, you got Brian Doyle Murray, and Chris Elliott. And Chris Elliott. Nice stealth pick. High five. Way to work Groundhog Day yep. in. I, I would not have thought of that, because there's been so many Bill Murray movies, and you look at his catalog of movies... And you go like, how could I get another Bill? Yet another Bill Murray, and you did it, sir. I did. You got three legit cast members, uh, and Chris Elliott, not just a one-year guy. Nope. I think he was there for a couple years. He was there for a couple. Oh years. Oh my God! Who doesn't just watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day every year? Every single year. I don't even know what channel it is on. It's not like a TBS like Christmas Story kind of deal. I just find it, and if I can't find it, and it's the end of the day, and it's like 9 p.m., I panic, and I go and I, I have it on DVD. I'll just watch it that way. <laughs> I gotta watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. And it's it's the first of that movie where like anytime you have a movie like Happy Death Day, they always go and they say it's the Groundhog Day, but angle, you know? Yeah. So it's it's a very revolutionary movie. Yeah, and it was, uh, there's, there, I mean. The last Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis yeah. and Bill Murray For some Somehow, some way, they got into a tiff in that yep. movie and they never worked again. Never even spoke to, again, did they? I, I, what could have happened? Because, you know. It'd be great if it was just like, he ate my sandwich. Something <laughs> so trivial. It was like, that was it? Harold Ramis, not a lot of people know this, but in the 70s, left an upper decker in Bill Murray's apartment. And it yeah. sat there for like a decade. For a decade. Because Bill Murray has a lot of places. Years. And he showed up while making this movie. And he was like, I found your upper decker, Harold. And he was like, "What? I forgot How about you that." Know it was mine? Bill, don't throw away our relationship. We've been we've been making great hit movies together for a long you time. Upper decked me. That's that. We are done. Over. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Uh, Andy McDowell, right? She's, yep. she's. I loved her in that. She's so she's so warm and charming in that movie. It, yeah. I want to be with Andy McDowell after watching Groundhog Day because she, you know, Phil Connors. His character, like, the joke is, you know, he can get any woman in bed that he wants. He just needs enough tries. As most, you know, Pittsburgh weathermen can. You got a lot of clout as a if Pittsburgh weatherman. If you're a weatherman weather in the greater Pittsburgh yeah. area. <laughs> that's, but the that's a thing. The sky's you know, the limit. If you live in a large city, maybe that's not a thing. But if you're in a mid to small town city, your weatherman's probably pretty famous. You know, you could probably name your town's weatherman. So, like, I'm not going to call bullshit on might that. Might be a jerk. Oh, he's a jerk. a jerk. Oh, the weatherman's the biggest dick of them all. Exactly. You might think it would be the sports guy, but no, it's the weatherman. It's the weatherman. Because he controls the weather. And you know what he does all the time? Yep. He lies directly to you. And we forgive with him every time. No regard. No, it's, without impunity, he lies. Us as the general public, our relationship with weathermen is like the most, one of the most abusive relationships there is because we just keep coming back. Yeah. We never say, this is it. I have had enough and just walk away. It's an abusive relationship it to is. be sure. Um, <laughs> and now I've just. But with with Groundhog Day, I just love how the movie kind of like teeters because, you know, when it first happens, it's fun because he's realizing what's happening and he's like, well, I can use this to my advantage. And then it gets to the point where he's like he becomes depressed because he can't escape this living nightmare 
And then I think it, around this point, he discovers Andy McDowell and how much he cares for her. So he begins that whole, like, you know, sequence of events where he <clears throat> tries to recreate, like, the perfect date. And he does it, and he finally gets her in bed. But then there's, like, this sudden last turn where he becomes depressed again because he screws it up. And he tries to recreate that exact date, but it, it does never for some works. reason it doesn't work the same way. And he's having that funny scene where they're having a snowball fight and those kids come along and he's like, just being kind of nuts. Are you kids up for adoption? Huh? <laughs> you crazy kids. And he's just like packing the snow and, and hitting them. Just like, and Andy McDowell's like, well, this date's over. What? This is but, you know, awkward. Bill Murray, he's just frustrated because he's been on this date many times and he's just trying to get past this part. I'm trying to hurry this part along because I need to get back to the part I screwed up. It's a wonderful, you know, it's a wonderful idea for a movie. And it was, it's one of those, like, uh, to the best of my knowledge, um, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily unique. I mean, it, there's, a, there, I mean, you have vehicles that, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a, a Christmas carol where yeah. he's, he's given an opportunity yes. to, to learn, you know, and so it's, it's not like it's totally unique, but the delivery of it is not, it's something, everything at this point, like you said, compares, it's like, it's like the Groundhog Day of, yeah. so it was kind of, yeah, nobody says it's the, it, it's the uh, wonderful life yeah. of whatever, you know, so it really did. It had kind of this, this, um, this element of uh, a they foundation. did it first. Yeah. yeah like, they did it first. So they, they get to be the, this. they get credit. Yeah. In perpetuity. Well, I'll yeah. use in perpetuity once again. There you go. Woo, baby. Big uh, words. Big words for you, our listening on and viewing audience. You're yes. welcome. You're welcome. Uh, and it has a happy ending. It does. They, I, that's the kind of movie you would not expect to have a happy ending at all. But they go ahead and give us one. You know, he gets to be with Andy McDowell. And who know, I, I would wager that he screws that relationship up two weeks down the line once he's no longer stuck in the town. It's true. But, Although he does say at the end, is like, we should move here. We'll rent first. Yeah. That's the, the last line of the yeah. movie. Bill Murray can't live happily ever after. Not it's as just, Bugs Tommy. No. Phil? Phil Connors? I, I saw him in Deadwood of all places recently. Like that actor. Stephen Tobolowski. Very good. Wow. How in the Nate world do you know his name? He was, I love that whole bit. It's just great. Did you go pro with that belly button thing there, Needlehead? <laughs> Uh, moving on, or yeah, I'll, talk about anything oh, else? Um, the one other young Michael Shannon, young Michael Shannon in that WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah, they win the tickets to WrestleMania. Yeah. Thank you so much for not yeah. letting me like gloss over that one. I, you know, I love Michael Shannon, and he's one of the more talented actors of his of his generation. And to see him in this just kind of stupid role where he little tiny bit, yeah, he's like, just why is he there? One of those first things he probably ever got to do. It has to be. Yeah, but he's just like a kid. But he still yep. looks old like Michael yeah, Shannon. He's an old man. <laughs> it's weird. As a teenager. Yeah, that's old, old man, man Michael teenager. Shannon as a teenager. Old man Michael Shannon. Getting excited about WrestleMania. He probably stabbed three people. Because he's the kind of guy that just stabs people. Oh, he's got a lot of kills on he's him. He's a stabber. He, yeah. <laughs> a stabbist. He doesn't use a gun. Nope. Okay, he likes to make it personal. Yep. Get in there. Okay. What do you say? What do you say? You little brat. You have never thanked me. All right. So number three for me. Number three. Number uh, trace. Trace. <laughs> Every time. Spanish. I'm gonna go with maybe maybe one you wouldn't expect. All right. Um, three amigos. Oh, that. 
It didn't make my <laughs> list, but it almost did. Okay. I can't because I kept seeing it pop up over and over and over. Many, a lot of SNL cast yes. members, big ones too. Chevy Chase, Martin Short, uh, John Lovitz, Phil Hartman. So those are your and official cast members. Steve Martin. Honorary cast member. Was never actually a cast member on yeah. Saturday Live. A lot no. of people think he was. No, they would, you would swear that he was. And I swore that he was and, you know, until like the internet came along and proved me wrong. He was, he was a guest host a number of times. He was on the show a lot. He was the first five-timer. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> and he, he earned it. I mean, he was a, a powerful comedian at the, at the era that, uh, I mean, it's kind of, you kind of wonder why he wasn't a cast member. Because yeah. he probably should have been, but he wasn't. Well, SNL was just a different thing back then, yeah. too. You know, he, it was just a place that he could just go and like do his King Tut just be silly for a little while, you know, like the kind of thing that Andy Kaufman could have really made a yep. living at if he if he wasn't Andy Kaufman. And he didn't die. And he didn't die. Yeah. Supposedly, he may still be alive. I don't know. Checking. That's one of my favorite like conspiracy theories that he's still around. Um, but yeah, Three Amigos, one of my all time favorite movies. I think I'd mentioned it in our favorite year episode. Yep. I, I mentioned 1986. So I don't want to go into it a bunch, but I do want to give it its propers because I think it's one of the 10 best movies starring a predominantly SNL cast. Um, that's it. I'm just not going to go back and listen to our, our favorite year podcast yes. if you want me to he hear us talk more about the three amigos because I think we covered it pretty well there. We did do a pretty good job. Yeah, I think so. I'd like to give ourselves a little pat on the back. We're awesome. Many piñatas? Oh, yes, many. Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? A what? A plethora. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. What's your next movie? All right, so this is my number four. There's going to be a lot of people who are disappointed that I just glossed over three of you. goes like, well, I don't want to go back and listen to another episode. <sighs> it's, I'll, I'll bookmark it probably on, on YouTube for you guys. You yeah. can just click the link. Click it. Just click the link. Click here to hear me talk about three amigos. Take the amigos clothes. A sweater. That's I still got to say that. That's like my favorite part. And the, uh, the song that they do. The, my uh, little buttercup. Has a sweetest smile. <laughs> it's just good. It is great. It, it is a phenomenal movie that I think maybe fell out of favor for some reason uh, in the in the like ironic age of the '90s. But I think people appreciate it once again, and as they movie. should, as they should. Dusty Bottom, Lucky Day, Little Ned Needlehander, ne Needle Needleheimer. I don't know. Doesn't matter. What's your number four, sir? Number four, man, I had, this is, I, I wish I still, now at this point, I wish I would have prioritized them just because it's so hard for me to choose in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm looking at these, pressure. Like, I got to do, all right, um, I, I can't, I can't overlook this guy. And um, he's, he's in another one of my movies, but um, I feel like it might make your list anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and throw out Dirty Work. Damn it. You did. You took one of mine. Uh, well Nor done. Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald, Chris Chevy Farley, Chase. Chevy Chase. Yes. Um, and Chris Farley and Chevy Chase have little roles. Little roles. Uh, um, Chevy, okay. You're our designated, just explain the movie guy. Uh, so um, Norm MacDonald, uh, he, he plays a guy who's kind of a loser. And his friend Artie his Lang. His friend is Artie Lang. Yep. Artie Lang's dad. Uh, Pops. Pops. He needs, um, he needs a heart transplant. Hmm. And that old thing again. For $50,000. <laughs> His conveniently priced surgery. <laughs> hmm. But uh, 
this this these two guys don't have any uh, stunt skills. What they do have are pranking skills, yes. revenge skills. Very well said. And so they uh, they start they start a revenge for hire business, and uh, Shooter McGavin, Christopher McDonald, he is the forgot he was in it. Yes, he is their uh, their foil. He's the local developer. What's he doing to that dog? <laughs> He's like holding Note the little to dog. self. Get wart cream for giant warts on ass. <laughs> he really worked that note to self oh. bit, didn't he? And it's it's. I think it may be really the only Norm Macdonald film vehicle that there ever was. Uh, you may be right. He had, now he had a TV show. He had a TV. But... I mean, he's he's had different things, but I think film wise, and he's been in a number of things. But film wise, he's, yeah, he's been only... in some stuff like the Deuce Bigelow movie. Yep. And yeah, you you would see You'd him see appear. Him. Yeah. But this is him owning the screen, and it didn't do well. Uh, you oh know. no! Yeah. Um, uh, but it was it was hilarious. I mean, the the whole every part of it. I mean, um, uh, the, actually uh, thinking about it now, there was a, a cameo from Adam Sandler um, when they do they go and they do the brownie testing. Um, they're eating the brownies. Oh Ar yeah! Ar you Ar eat the pig and burn. Artie yeah. Lang is stuffing them <laughs> in his mouth. He's like, is that? Do I feel a slight itch? Yeah. No, Norm, Norm takes like a he's crumb. crumb. He's shivering and he's got hives and he's sweating. <laughs> ah, and he's just... <laughs> Adam's doing that like, eat the pig and bird. <laughs> I love you're right. the devil. Yeah, yeah. What you talking about? Um, but... There, Thank you for bringing that up, Adam Sandler. There were so, I mean, so many of those great little moments. Chevy Chase plays a doctor who's in for $50,000 with the mafia. Yeah, so uh, if you're getting a heart transplant, there's a waiting list, and yes. he, that's that's how they get in first in line. Yep, he's yeah. going to he's gonna pay off the doctor's mob debts. Uh, and and that's he how keeps Pops showing making. up with, like, in yeah, worse for arm. where, yeah. Like, you think <laughs> after they break your arm that you wouldn't know the money more, but you still do. What's up with that? It's just... That's classic Chevy Chase. He was, just, he was. He was great. It feels like that was one of the very last really funny Chevy Chase yeah. like movie roles, and it was. She was <sighs> just. He he accepted the little small bit role and ran with it. Oh, and actually, um, I, I know a couple of the homeless guys um, that had worked for Christopher McDonald that became homeless that so they pay him. It's like, hey, how about we give you a, a dollar and you go around and run and there's like, oh, you're thinking of those crazy homeless guys. We're those down on your luck. <laughs> Don't know what we're gonna do with ourselves, kind of homeless yeah. guy. And he goes, he launched in this whole story. He's like, how yeah. about two bucks? Yeah. And then, ah, yeah, then they take yeah. When they take in the run. I feel around. like this movie was out of its time a bit too. Yep. Like there's the whole like prostitutes and trunks or whatever. I, I've never seen so many dead hookers before. <laughs> Lord knows I have. And that's when Chris Farley's watching the commercial yes. on TV and he's like, that's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. Ah. In the land of in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. In the land of the skunks, the man <laughs> the with half a nose is king. <laughs> I love forgot about that part. Oh. Chris Farley owned every scene he was in, man. There was, the bar fight scene, I think, is like my favorite scene. When he goes to play this. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, E7! You hit E8. <laughs> and what was the song? I forget, but it was like not a kick-ass No, it was not. It song. was not the song he thought it was. That was just the best. I love how like sarcastic and dry Norm MacDonald's humor is because, you know, Artie, who's a schlubby guy, he gets into a fight with the, you know, guy at a bar because he's, I guess there was a girl or whatever he's trying to impress and uh and he's and norm's talking to somebody he goes oh wait a minute my my idiot friends you barely get his ass kicked over here you know he just like walks over and he's like yeah it's fighting time you know and he's like pounding his hand in his fist and he gets just gets thrown through the glass window 
<laughs> and that's when he does the note to self. Note to Learn self. how to fight. <laughs> I love, there's one other time where he's sleeping in his car. And he's sleeping in the back seat, and he's got his full pajamas on, and he's got the little nightcap, too. Oh, my God. I love that, because the guy breaks into his car to steal his radio, and he's like, hey, keep it down. I'm sleeping back here. <laughs> and he just, he, that, and it's the same kind of thing. It's Norm MacDonald just has that slightly off sense of humor. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, he was he was great on Weekend Update. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, he just had the perfect delivery, and I think yeah. it was just one of those, like, for so many people, they just don't get him, or they don't appreciate his sense of humor and that's again why this movie I think bombed. I think a lot of people assume that it was like Lorne Michaels that didn't like I think I think he actually liked Norman Donald. Yeah. It was like the stupid like NBC head because yeah. like they didn't think he was funny. And you had to have, I guess, somebody like there was just a certain mold, I guess like Dennis Miller, I guess, is who he took over for. Yeah, I think so. Um who had just had a certain or, style. Did he take over for Kevin Nealon or did Kevin Nealon take over for him? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like Kevin Nealon was first. So he may have taken over for Kevin. I'm Kevin Nealon, and you're not. Yes. Or was that Chevy Chase that said that? Uh, I always liked when Kevin Nealon did the subliminal news. Like yeah, he would yeah, sneak yeah. stuff in. Subliminal news was good stuff. Um, we should do a whole show on, like, friggin', uh, well, we don't, we don't really, not movies, so we couldn't really do that, I guess. We could do whatever we want. We could do whatever we want. Cinemaster, starring the best... Week like the top five weekend update guys. <laughs> the best of Kevin Nealon. Maybe if we ever just, get popular enough for a Patreon show, we'll do a special Patreon just, and that's what we'll do. I like it. So if you want to hear us do that, give us money. Yeah, <laughs> lots and lots of money. <laughs> so we can quit our real jobs at the the greeting card company. Yes, we or, write greeting cards, telling people, encouraging people not to kill themselves. Yep, that's pretty much what we do. We have a whole line of anti-suicide greeting cards. Which I know pre pre Jonathan though yeah we got the job after he committed suicide yeah so we could have saved we have him. a whole line of Jonathan Brandis cards <laughs> Jonathan just, chin up Jonathan you're a good a looking picture, guy you're rich you got money don't just kill a yourself. picture Jonathan Brandis just saying don't do it with kittens yep kittens all around him yep okay uh, dirty work yeah it was on my list I was I was possibly gonna pick it next so I have to I have to re I have to divert my uh, my strategy. I stole and I mean, it's a ridiculous movie. There doesn't yes. need even even be a plot to it. Like I nope. can't even barely remember like how it ends. You know, Pops gets his transplant. That's all I remember. There's, um, they have the, um, he's uh, Christopher McDonald. He's doing the Don Giovanni, the opera, and they ruin it to get back at him because yeah. he tricked them into um, ruining a, a, a bunch of apartment buildings. Oh yeah, the senior, like the el elderly people yeah. or whatever, like Anything. low income apartments. And so they're trying to get it shut down, but it turns out to be Trailer Howard, his love interest, her grandma lives mm. there, mm. and they've been duped into this. And so he's on the outs with his girl. They're losing their business. They're not going to get the money. So they're like, so ah. is it to win the girl back? Is that what the I think, ending I think is? That's a part of it. Okay, but um, also to get even. Yes, um, I, I do love when he meets her and they don't exchange names. And then he sees her again on the street, and he's running after her, and he's shouting, Mildred! Mildred! And he runs up, he's like, oh, I think you forgot my name. He's like, no, you never told me, so I just guessed. <laughs> I just love that. That's it's a like, good norm. He's guessing her name is Mildred. Now, was this the movie that was directed by Bob Saget? Uh, yes. Yeah, was. okay. So, yep. obvious, like, th this was the Bob Saget. This was part of his three-point plan to make you forget about Danny Tanner. Yep. Uh, you know, like, this movie happened, and then his stand-up got yep. popular with millennials, I guess. Like, and he oh. was in Dazed and Confused. Or not Dazed. Uh, he did. Um, he sucked dick. He didn't, yeah. Um, Half-baked. Half yeah, yeah. Half like stoner comedy. Yeah, he had that great line, like, have you ever sucked dick for some marijuana? <laughs> 
or whatever the line was. Yeah, that was, but it was like, oh, wait. That's but then the guy screams out like, I seen him. <laughs> that's my favorite part. It was great. Bob Saget. Bob Saget can be a dirty, dirty son of a bitch. Yep. Okay, uh, moving on, I guess, yeah. from Dirty Work. I mean, check Pretty it work. out. It's really it's good. It's a great movie. It's, a wor it's worthy of this list. It would have yes. made the list if you hadn't put it on there. Yep. When you say no like that, you really mean yes. What are you talking about? Watch, I'll show you. Mitch, uh, did you ever rob a bank? No. Did you ever climb Mount Everest? No. Did you ever say that you can see why women find Sean Connery sexy? No. So is this number four? Is that this what this is? This is your number four. Okay, this is my number four. Okay, so my so for my movie, I had to choose which movie to do. Because I had to get a Tina Fey Amy Poehler movie in somehow. So I went ahead and went with Sisters okay. and not Baby Mama. Even though maybe Baby Mama was the more critically accepted, like more uh, successful movie. I, I just enjoy Sisters because it... It subverts your expectation of the, the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey characters. Tina Fey gets to play like the kind of, you know, uh, bad girl. Um, and it's funny too, cause like now after Amy Poehler was during the run of this, but I wasn't aware because I'd never watched Parks and Rec. She's kind of playing Leslie Nope a little bit yep. in this movie. She's kind of like the good girl, yep. like whatever. But I, I just like watching uh, Tina Fey get to kind of play like, you know, uh, not, somebody who's just got their life together yeah not the straight laced nerdy straight laced career gal who's yeah. just you know on top of everything on top of everything like she's kind of a fuck up with you know she had a kid when she was young and she does like nails or whatever you know she you know she she in her her whole like focus in life is just to get that one big party back yep because her parents are selling their home and it's uh it's uh, Brolin, it's, uh, what's his name? Not Josh Brolin, but... Uh, James. James Brolin, and was it Sissy Sip? Sissy Spacek, or who was the mom? Oh. She was also like a famous actress for the time. I hadn't seen her in a while. But anyway, so like, yeah, they're selling their home, and th this, the whole movie is, let's get, here, here's the pitch for the movie. We're gonna get Tina Fey and Amy Poehler to do a house party movie as 40-somethings. And we're going to have a whole bunch of SNL characters show by yeah. or stop by or maybe not necessarily SNL characters, but funny people of their time. So here's the people in, in S, the former SNL cast members. You got Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Bobby Moynihan and Rachel Dratch. So you got five SNL cast members in the movie. Kate McKinnon was also. Kate McKinnon. I really enjoyed Samantha Bee. She was really funny in the movie. Chris Parnell. I don't remember. Was Chris Parnell in it? Apparently. Okay, we'll add another then. Um, but I, mean, I think we mentioned this, we glossed over in talking about John Cena, but I, it's my favorite John Cena role, I think, because he plays like the guy who shows up to buy drugs from. Yes. And he's just like got all the crazy tattoos all over his neck. But he just has these like punchy like little comebacks. And he and, he and Tina Fey like have this real good chemistry with one another. Um, and you just wouldn't expect that to happen. Um, I, I like Bobby Moynihan's like it just goes nuts painfully awkward yeah <laughs> he's the guy that you like invite begrudgingly like ah we gotta invite this guy right he's gonna you know he's gonna show up and be retarded and stupid and you know we gotta have him um, Maya Rudolph I enjoy Maya Rudolph in just about everything I, I like that she's sort of the 
the you know linchpin leader of her group of friends that are uh, you know were rivals i guess to the sisters yes tina 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 uh faye and amy poehler sisters from the name of the movie you yeah. so they're like the kind of rivals and you know that she's just a stick in the mud kind of pain in the yes. ass like preppy type and their their whole thing is like staying at home like drinking wine and they just wanted to get invited to the party too they just want to come to the party man yeah um the i, I liked the there was like a really like it's a silly movie, but I, I really enjoyed the whole subplot of the daughter, like trying to help uh, Tina Fey's character get her life together. Yes. You know, and that whole like subplot of, you know, her lying that she had a job and, she, you know, Tina or Amy Poehler's character is sort of harboring her in her life and, you know, not not knowing that she, that's where she's staying and she, they just, she just wants to get her back. And, uh, you know, but then she kind of fucks it up in the end still, you know, it's just like, it's not a movie that you would just expect to like the outcomes that are not what you expect. Yeah. Now I think if I remember it has a bit of a happy ending anyway. There, yeah. There's still, there's still kind of a happy ending to it. it but, but not a, not a Hollywood happy no, ending. Like the happy ending is like she gets a job at the nail salon. It doesn't tie everything up into a nice little bow. Right, and everything's right. just happy, but it has a good ending to the it. The house gets destroyed. You know, yes. they have their big fun party. Uh, and you know, it, it's just a fun, good time and it, it, it gets played a lot on cable and I yes. just find myself stopping and watching it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. It's just a genuinely fun movie with yeah. a lot of really funny people in it. Rachel Dratch is pretty hilarious in it. Like she's just, you know, like what's keeping her from killing herself? You know, like she's <laughs> such a sad sack. <laughs> Debbie Downer. Yeah. She's Debbie Downer in this movie is really what she is. Uh, but every, you know, I, and it's a kind of movie as like somebody who is in their early forties, you know, like I, I want to have that good time like that. I'm ripe. I'm the ripe age for the audience that they're speaking to here, you know, cause like my high school years are way past, you know, and that's just the whole point of the movie is like, we were cool once, right? Once like I love the scene the where they had like their bedroom and they walk in and there's just like, it's like a time capsule yep. still. Like the parents kept it the way they were. Exactly. I was when they were in high school. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Sorry about that. It was the Lord. It was the Lord once again. I would have preferred Baby Mama. <laughs> you picked the wrong Amy Poehler, Tina Fey movie. But that would have been a great choice. Yes. Uh, because, you know, Amy Poehler. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm his dad. <laughs> Let me my microphone here. This is pathetic. Um, was it, um, was it, oh gosh, well, who played her boyfriend, her loser boyfriend? It was uh, uh, Dax Shepard, Dax right? Shepard in Baby yeah, Mama. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> the faux pre- pregnancy. Yeah, the faux pregnancy. She ends up getting really pregnant. I got some ibuprofen, aspirin. I got Flintstone gummies if you want. You seem good at your job. We don't. We don't need any of that. We, no, no. We're just gonna take some low-level, late '80s dirt pot. You know, the kind with seeds in it that you yeah. separate on a frisbee. <laughs> Something you smoke at like a Bangles concert. All right. What's your final pick? Final pick. It's the final pick now. I like the way you did that there. Thank you. It was fun. Um, Let's see here. Um, There's, I I still have a number on here that I really could go to. We've, we've talked about a good number of them. Yeah. Um, Okay. So they got their little shout outs kind of. I have a number. I'll still, at the end, I'll give a couple shout outs to ones I didn't mention. Fair enough. Um, But uh, I think... I think the the one I I, I got a toss up here, and this is really this is really tough on me. Um, gotta make a choice. Gotta make a stand. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Christmas vacation. Go on Christmas vacation. Now, 
Okay, so what, yes, so Randy Quaid was an SNL cast member, technically, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> so Chevy he, Chase. He did a good Nixon. And uh, Michael, no, 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 it wasn't Michael Anthony Hall. Well, I'm trying to guess who the third person was, because you said that everyone had at least three. Yep. Was Brian Doyle Murray? He was, that? he was his oh, boss. okay, oh, that's right, he was the guy that gets, yep. like, gives him the jelly. Give me somebody, book. give me somebody while I'm waiting. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. If I were you, if it was like the cop line where he was going to beat him with the rubber hose, I'd take a rubber hose. I was like, what is, I want to know what he's, what, what he would have done. Beat I would like to know. Yeah. He would have beat him with a rubber hose. He would have continued beating him with the rubber hose. <clears throat> Man, Christmas vacation for, I, I always go back like, what's my favorite Christmas or what's my favorite vacation movie? And it's so damn hard because the first three are so good. They're just so good, and they're so different. The, there's, I mean, you have the original Vacation, which was also on my list. Um, you, you have you have that, and it was just it was one of uh, one of the first National Lampoon movies. Um, yeah. And even I mean, it, that was on my list as well because it had uh, Chevy Chase, had Anthony Michael Hall, who was a cast member. Yeah, that's where that. I was going with yeah. that, I guess. Um, and but then I mean, you have John Candy, and uh, I mean, there's just, I mean, it, was, it established the Griswolds as a family, and yeah. it was just it tracked so well because it was like you know anybody who's had just a crazy family vacation fraught with disaster which i think just about everybody has to some degree you could totally relate to the the to the griswolds you know yeah. he wanted to take his family on his cross-country trip you know you got the goofy dad who wants to see the big ball of twine and wants to go here and there and the kids are just like oh dad this is so lame you know let's save a conversation if we could on vacation because i have I would like to do a future topic on like greatest franchises, and I think the vacation movies could be a very worthy contender to, to make a list. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, but but I mean, speaking of uh, Christmas Vacation, it's I think it might be my favorite Christmas movie. It's it's one well, like there's there's a number of Christmas movies that are pretty iconic. Yeah, um, but it, I mean, Christmas Vacation has always felt like the one that's just so accessible because again, it's that. It's that every man Christmas, like, okay, we just want to have the perfect family Christmas. Yeah. And in doing that, everything goes wrong. It, it's like your everyday situations that can be related to, but blown up to 11. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's Clark. You know, yep. He's got to do everything over the top. Chris. <laughs> and Beth, I love the, the cast of characters. Like, you get to see his family, you yep. know, and you get to see his in-laws. And it's great because, you know, Beverly D'Angelo, who plays his wife, who is awesome. I love Beverly D'Angelo. I, you know, I would very much like to look back into her past and see like what, you know, her, you know, her catalog of movies or was she an actor of, an, I don't, what's her history? I feel like it was a dramatic, she must have been like a dramatic type. Seems actor. like she could be. Yeah, who just happened to play well off Chevy Chase. But that, that's his all-time best co-star, I think, in, in yep. anything. You know, like Chevy Chase, like he and Beverly D'Angelo just, they, I, I would have sworn they were married in real life. Yeah, they would. They, uh, they were very convincing in that fashion. Yes, they were very and convincing. I think that's as a what really made it work. Um, but yeah, so like, let's see. The kids were. Uh, uh, who was the kid from? Uh, you know, the, the current. Well, not current anymore because it ran. But, but Russ, who played? Oh. Um, uh, the kid. He was in Roseanne and like yeah, you know also uh, what, what Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah, I can't think of his name. Oh, I'll come up with it. Um, but yeah. But as Audrey was played by, uh, <laughs> fuck, I just had a name and I lost it. Son of a bitch. Uh, she was like a, she was big in the late 80s. And early 90s. In early 90s. 
I'm leaving in the awkwardness where I'm looking up. <laughs> Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis. The uh, other sister. I, I love, too, that, like, in every vacation movie, the sisters and the, the siblings are... change them up. Yeah, the, the kids are always different. That's so weird. Because it wasn't supposed to be that way after. It, it, it was well, no, be, it couldn't have been, right? It was supposed to be the same kids in uh, European Vacation, but Anthony Michael Hall couldn't make it because he was starting to blow up. Yeah. Um, and so they just... That was their gag. Was like, okay, we're gonna have Rusty and um, Johnny Galecki. By the yeah, way, Johnny is the Galecki. kid we're trying to think of who was Rusty. Um, who was the worst Rusty? I think. Uh, I love the European Vacation Rusty. He's my favorite. Well, I mean, Anthony Michael Hall is also a great Rusty. And Ethan Embry played him in Vegas Vacation. Okay, I take it back. He's the worst. Um, just, just because that's the worst vacation. That's movie. the worst vacation. Yeah. Um, Ethan Embry's a very capable actor. But He's fine. Uh, it was just, it was not. He's not my Russ. Not my Russ. Hashtag it right now. <sighs> Hashtag not my Russ. <laughs> Johnny Galecki's my Russ. You like Johnny Galecki? I gotta best? go Johnny Galecki. I like him. When I say he's, it's like, you know, like the third best Chicago Bulls team. You know, yeah. like there's, it's still great, but it's just not the trip. best. Yeah. Uh, Diane Ladd is, uh, plays uh, Clark's mom. Mom, yeah. Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond and played. Beverly Hands, like the perfect, the perfect. She made a career playing annoying mother-in-law, yes. as it seems like after this movie. Um, let's see, E.G. Marshall, who played, oh, played yeah, uh, that was uh, Beverly Angel's dad. dad, yeah. And then John Randolph, who's just so charming yeah. as as Griswold Clark you know, like Griswold Senior, Senior, yeah, love him. Uh, Randy Quaid, talk about Randy Quaid, who's just so amazing and as as cousin, cousin Eddie. Eddie. Uh, the shitter's full. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> he had the best lines. You know, you know what I love so much is like the part where you know uh, Eddie's talking to Clark, and it's more or less like I don't have the money to buy Christmas presents for my kids, and then Clark volunteers to buy presents or like to help him out. They're walking but, through Walmart. But yeah, they're walking through Walmart, and as they're having the conversation, he's putting like hundreds of dollars worth of dog, dog food, food on his cart. <laughs> I was like, I like because Clark puts the, he puts light bulbs down and then he smashes them with like three bags of dog food. I love that scene. It's so great. If only we had all that money back that we gave to that TV preacher. And then Clark's like, there's, well. there's so many telling aspects of that walk, that Walmart walk. And then, and then Clark's like, well, what about the kids? Like, I use kids can fence themselves. I don't, I don't, I don't, don't care. care. I know your kids, Eddie, your kids. And then he has the list of Christmas presents out uh, starting with Oh, Catholics. yeah, and it just drops down. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. <sighs> that is a great scene. Everybody talks about the shitter's full being the best scene, but I love that scene because there's so many layers to it. It's a good quality item, Clark. <laughs> Mind if I fumigate this here, chair? It's a good quality <laughs> item. Uh, and those little kids are so adorable. Yes. Like, Ruby oh, my Sue. God, her eyes aren't crossed Rocky. anymore. <laughs> she falls on the well, eyes go crossed, gets kicked by a mule, eyes go back. I don't know. <laughs> you might want to take a rain check on that kiss there, Art. It's had a bit of a lip fungus that we haven't quite identified. <laughs> Wasn't the little boy the kid from uh, Adam's Family? Was he uh, one of he the kids? He, I don't know. He might have been. I, one of the things that never made any sense to me, because um, Ellen and um, uh, Catherine are cousins. They're cousins, yeah. And so uh, E.G. Marshall, who plays uh, Clark's father-in-law, always just so... He's like, he's 
getting after him for everything. Yeah. He's he's a very successful. He's a pain in the ass to Clark. Hey, yeah. And he's Clark is a very successful family yes. man who supports yes. his family. Yes. They're living well. Everything's fine. He's taking plenty good care of his daughter. All these things. And the the whole time, like every interaction, uh, E.G. E. Marshall is he's like you know oh Ed don't be so hey, don't be so modest we got plenty of room come he's like yeah. he's so he's like this guy's the screw up yeah why are you so nice doesn't to Eddie help? like busting balls for being with his daughter and he's like what is the uh, or I, not well not his daughter his niece. But his niece yeah but it was one of those like that was just what was always I was like this is he just, was sympathetic with Eddie or you're something sympathetic yeah. to Eddie but you're hard on Clark it's like okay whatever. This doesn't make any sense. This makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? Your final pick. Oh, Jesus. You know, like, there, there's there's one here that I was all set to, because you, you named off a couple of mine. You named off Tommy Boy, and you named off uh, Dirty Work. And so that leaves, I only have two picks left to even choose from. So okay. I'm going to have to flip a coin and go with one or the other. Okay. Now, if, if the coin lands on heads and I pick one, people are going to be happy and, and they're satisfied. If it lands tails, people are going to, they're just going to, like, Never listen to us again. And for some reason, that entertains me. So I'm going to go with That's My Boy from Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, Will Forte, Rachel Dratch, Anna Geisteyer, and Colin Quinn. All of them are in that. I think I'd mentioned that That's My Boy was one of my favorite guilty pleasure it's movies. A great movie. I enjoy the hell out of it. Once again, I'll defer to the, you know, talking about it from that episode so that we can keep this under three hours. But um, I chose it over Blues Brothers. <laughs> Blues Brothers is on my list. <laughs> you never gave me nothing! I gave you a snake! Yeah, and then it died after it ate all your quaaludes. That was the only time anybody's ever seen a King Cobra laugh. And I take pride in that. So fuck you. Would it be great if I said Blues Brothers 2000? Ooh! But, you know, uh, John Goodman was never an actual cast member, so I couldn't do it with just the one guy. Just I, I would have given you, well, I think Blues Brothers, because I looked up on, on Wikipedia to see what movies were technically Saturday Night Live movies. Yeah. Uh, and I think Blues Brothers 2000 was still technically a, a Saturday Night Live yeah, movie. Yeah, because it's, uh, so it's canon, I suppose, yeah, to the first movie. I mean, you know, Blues Brothers is great and everything with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, but it... it you know, it's gotten deservedly so many accolades from other lists. It's it's one of those classics that everybody likes, but I don't think a lot of people watch all that regularly. I think people just really love the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Oh, it's one of the best soundtrack. Like if we ever do a soundtracks episode, Blues Brothers should be on there. Um, and you know, it is like the best. It's the quintessential John Belushi role, other than in From Animal House. I guess yeah. Pluto would be maybe his number one. But, you know, everybody, the Blues Brothers, it's great. It's funny. And one of the greatest car chase scenes of all time, where they go through the mall. Yep. That, that's one of my favorite. Like, if you were to do, like, best car chase yep. scenes, like French Connection might be in there. Blues Brothers is going to be in there. Absolutely. Uh, and it was, like, the movie, I think, that got John Landis's career, like, kickstarted. Yep. Like, he, he, he had, like, a run of movies in the 80s. It was just unbelievable. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say my final uh, honorable mention, okay. if you don't mind. Uh, Go for it. Coneheads. That, that was uh, one of my honorable mentions. And I think I've listed everything else that I... Uh, 
was going to mention? What, what's uh, let's see here. Uh, ones ones that we didn't mention at all that had made my list. Um, let's see here. The the other one I was wrestling with that I, I it was between this and Christmas Vacation was Billy Madison. Billy Madison was on. Yeah, because it's got Norm Macdonald <clears throat> and Adam Sandler and, and Chris uh, Farley. Bus driver. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, that would have qualified um, for sure. And uh, let's see, um, vacation we kind of talked about. Um, trading Places. Um, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And then uh, Al Franken was in the cast as well. What? He was? He was. In, is he one of the traders or something? In, uh, in Trading Places, he was uh, one of the guys, when they're on the, the, the train at the end, and there's the two guys that are loading up the monkey. Oh, God, uh, it had John Belushi in it, too. That uh, would have been technically a cast member as well. So, yeah, so that... Um, Not John Belushi, James Belushi. Yeah. The brother. Um, so uh, then I had uh, Anchorman, which technically fit uh, my qualifications. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Ooh, okay, hang what on. We'll, we'll say Will Ferrell is in it. Uh, drawn a Can board. you name the other two? Can I name the other two? Okay, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. So I love that movie. Ah, like one of them was a weed dealer in Los Angeles. Tracy Morgan. Yep. Yeah. And, and the other was the director of Blunt Man and Chronic. Chris Rock. Yep. Okay. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. a little fun game we play. Yep. We got to incorporate games in our in yes. our, our podcast somehow. Because I like quizzing each other. Yes. That's fun. Um, then Mean Girls, that would have been Miami. Uh, my microphone um, is just like going nuts. And then Step Brothers technically would qualify because it has Will Ferrell, um, Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle was a cast member. And Horatio Sands. He was in the cover band, the Billy Joel cover band. <laughs> Play Uptown Girl. <laughs> we'll do strict, strictly 80s, Billy Joel. <laughs> okay, um, that's fun. That was yeah. that was a really fun episode. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, here's another bit of trivia for you. I'm gonna All hit right. you with one, another. You hit me with one. I'll hit you with one. It's the one-two punch. Ready, set, go. What what movie holds the record for the most SNL cast members? I want to guess Coneheads. You're right. Okay. Sixteen. I Ready would. for him? Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Phil Hartman, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Michael McKean, Chris Farley, Kevin Nealon, Ian, uh, J- Jane Hooks, J- Julia Sweeney, Garrett Morris, I don't know who that is, Tom Davis, again, don't know, uh, Peter Aykroyd? Th- I don't know about that one either. Lorraine Newman, familiar, Tim Meadows, and John Lovitz. Uh, and then the number two runner-up with 15 was Grown Ups 2. Okay. Which is very easy, you know. That, that's just primarily SNL people, you would think, right up front. <clears throat> and Shaq. And Shaq. Can't beat it. Well, that was our main event topic. The main event. We're going to move on to the return of the much beloved by us. I don't know about yes. you guys. But, people beloved. But it tickled me and Adam, so that's mm-hmm. really all that matters. Uh, we're going to do our reveal of who played it better, where yes. we select the movie. And, and then in Cinemaster's format, we will begin with that in the next episode. Lead episode on. 10. Episode 10. Double digits. Double digits is where we'll be headed. Wow. So I have a really good one for you. All right. uh, I'm excited. Who who should reveal first? I want I, I want you to go first. You want me to reveal to you? Yes. All right. So the movie that you're going to be casting. <laughs> you put a drum roll in here. <laughs> okay. No, the movie that you're going to be casting or recasting is uh, Episode Two: Star Wars: The Clone Ooh. Wars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you, but here's the fun thing: you get to recast Anakin. Yeah. 
Oh, that's gonna. You get to recast Anakin, that's... but you're also gonna have to recast uh, Queen Amidala. You're gonna have to Padme. You're gonna have Padme. to recast her. You're gonna have to recast Ewan McGregor, I, who was I actually have to very good. Ewan McGregor and Mace Windu. Samuel L. Jackson. Oof. Uh, at least you won't have to recast Liam Neeson because he, of course, he, died at the end of episode one. He's dead. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to recast um, Palpatine, that's fine because that's understandable. Like he, I'll he's just been the, the emperor challenge. like I'll all the, the way challenge. through. Okay, take, I'll the, take challenge. the challenge. Uh, so yeah, that that's gonna be make make it better, Adam. Uh, I can do that. I I know you'll take this challenge very seriously to heart. And uh, there were a list of like real popular movies that I was considering, and then I was like, "Holy crap! What's the movie that we always bag on for being terrible in the Star Wars universe?" Let me make it better. The Clone Wars. I'll so make it better. Now's your chance to make it better. All right, what's your movie for me? All right. <laughs> you gave me The Breakfast Club, which forced me forced me to like open my eyes to hot young Hollywood actors. <laughs> I, I I wanted I almost wanted to do it. Oh, you <laughs> bastard. No. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Screw it. My search history's already fucked. Just whatever you want to do. Whatever. Make it little kids. I don't even care. <laughs> little giants. Now I got to no. do like a Google search of hot hot young actors under 10 or something. <laughs> the Sandlot. I'll make you redo the Sandlot. Fuck Just you. Like nine little boys. Nine little boys. No. God, um, I got to look up nine little boys. What's my movie? Uh, Forrest Gump. Oh man. Jesus Christ. I, I was sitting there, I was like, you know what you did the, the bachelor party? I was like, let's go full circle on, let's, on Hanks. <laughs> let's do a full circle with Hanks. You know, I, I looked at Forrest Gump as a possibility and I said, nope, too mean. <laughs> I literally said, nope, too mean. And you gave and it I to did me, it. you son of a bitch. That's me. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Forrest Gump. Okay. Let's do Fine. it. Fine. Oh, um, so I, this has been the end of our episode. I hope you guys enjoyed our new surroundings. Yes. That we didn't even mention nope. at the top of the show. Uh, where just we are. Straight in. We're just recording this episode on the uh, on the on, on the deck of an aircraft carrier. Yes. I think I haven't quite decided <laughs> what we're going to do yet. <laughs> I think we should decidedly be somewhere. That's not the deck of an aircraft, just so it's we're like, we're on the deck of an aircraft. It's going to be in the inside of James Gandolfini's colon. That's Ooh. where we're at. <laughs> well, he's dead, so that's yeah. kind of a downer. He's Jonathan Brandon. Oh, he's dead. Dog, son of a bitch. Yeah, he's Robin. Oh, oh, no. God, no. At least we still have Bowie. You know, I was watching Ted 2 on cable the other day, and there's that really funny scene where they're like, hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, let's go, like, shout out sad suggestions to improv actors. <laughs> And they're like, okay, I need a place. 9-11. Okay, no, I, I need a, okay, I need a person. Robin Williams. <laughs> you people are monsters. <laughs> I love that scene. That's pretty good. That was great. Uh, you know, Ted 2 is like under, like the, Ted was funny and I loved it and it was successful. But I was, I was disappointed in America, quite frankly. I was disappointed in all of you for not supporting Ted 2 because it was really funny. Ted and Ted 2, I think in a very similar fashion, reminds me of Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Ted had kind of a point, kind yes. of a plot. Ted yes. 2 is just like, let's do some fun stuff. Let's, yeah. let's joke around with it. We, we don't really have anything to say, so let's just have fun. Yeah. And it's, you know. Liam Neeson was fantastic. Oh, that was the God. best scene in the entire movie. The Lucky Charms. You do understand that I myself am not a child. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is, uh, that's apparent. <laughs> so if I buy this, I won't be followed? No, no, we don't, uh, don't have those kind of resources. No, no, you're fine. 
I won't forget what you've done for me today. Uh, <laughs> he like hands the five. <laughs> I, I kind of wish that you would. <laughs> great, 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 great. If Liam Neeson, and well, he was in A Million Ways to Die in the West, too. Yes, so he, he was. He was funny in that as well. Liam Neeson should be in more comedies. An Irish cowboy, as you see so often in the Old West. That old thing again. That old chestnut. And should we announce the uh, hiring of our, our new engineer? Yes. So you know him, you love him. He's been our our number one fan for a faithful uh, follower. Faithful follower, Mitch. We uh, we brought him on yes, as engineer, Mitch. so Mitch, he's going to be. Did you want to say anything, Mitch? No. Mitch, you 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 have to put your pants back on, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. This, this is a professional atmosphere. You're not a homeless person anymore. Yeah, this is not okay. Okay. That's, no, you that you should have a doctor look at that. I don't. I'm very uncomfortable Mitch, right now. Mitch, stop, stop eating crackers. I'm very uncomfortable. You're getting crackers everywhere. Crumbs everywhere. Jesus Christ, Mitch. Okay, we may end up regretting this, yeah, but we wanted to give Mitch a, a steady job yeah. and a paycheck because that whole driving thing was... He lives at, in his car. He made it up. His he feet. showed up at my house. It, it scared the hell out of my wife and kids. His honestly. feet bleed. His feet do bleed. <laughs> and he doesn't even walk on them all that often. <laughs> they just bleed like stigmata, but out of his toes. I many times at night just staring at me. <laughs> hey, uncomfortably, uh, yeah. and yet endearing at the same time. Want to see me write in calligraphy? Yes, yes, I do. Actually, oddly enough, I kind of like that. So, so stay tuned for Mitch's new channel. Mitch, writing in calligraphy. He's here, not Mitch. driving around. Say hi, Mitch. Oh, you, you don't want to talk. You can't hear Mitch. He does. He's not mic'd. Nope. We can't afford a third mic. Nope. And honestly, quite frankly, we don't want you to know the shit that comes out of his head. And what yeah. comes, the things that go Terrifying. through his brain are crazy. The internet is not prepared for it. Crazy thoughts. The it's like internet. Creed. The internet is not prepared for it. What's the bit from uh, Office? It's like, it's, it's, just a, word doc. it's just a Word doc with a link that goes to... <laughs> I've read some of it. Still pretty shocking, even for the internet. Even for the internet. So for Mitch, Adam, and myself... I hope you enjoyed watching the show. We'll be back with episode number 10, and I get to cast fucking Forrest. <laughs>